0: Hey, this is Sam Whitwer. Uh, who who am I? Wait, oh, wait, wait, wait. Should I say like, yeah? All right, all right, I got it. You ready? Mm. Hey, this is Sam we're from Being Human, Star Wars, The Clone Wars, and Star Wars Rebels. And uh, I never ever listened to the Order Sixty Six podcast. <laughs>
1: D20 Radio, your gamer's role. www.d20radio.com.
0: Broadcast live, you're listening to the Order 66 podcast. Brought to you by Gamer Nation Studios, D20 Radio, and Wayne Basta, author of the Aristia series of novels.
2: up gamer nation gm chris here and for those who may be tuning in for the first time this is the order 66 podcast the original podcast entirely devoted to star wars role-playing and you are tuning in for episode 57 and uh, tonight our trio of hosts is flying as a duo but what a duo it is dynamic and dashing and daring and what other d words that are not filthy can i think of i don't know phil buddy what other d words can you think of
3: well, actually, I'll be saving those for the uh, build-off later, as we will get to. Uh, good evening, one and all, Gamer Nation. You are listening on Sunday, the 12th, at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern. And we have a very entertaining but very busy show today. We we absolutely do.
2: Um, we got a lot to get into and a lot of announcements to kick things off, man. We are going to be covering a Well Isn't That Special tonight for our meet, whereby listener request, we're going to be getting into the Charmer. Um, and then we have a fair bit of uh, Q and A actually for uh, messages from the edge at the end of the show. And in between there, we have a brand new, we're very excited um, uh, moderator episode for you guys, uh, which um, uh, Ben has provided, and can't wait to, to get that out there. So,
3: yep, little business to catch up on after the extended Sam show last time. Oh,
2: good lord, good lord.
3: <laughs> oh man, well, you want to get right into announcements, man?
2: Yeah, let's get going. Let's do it.
0: Hello there. What have we here?
1: Good news.
2: All right, well, before we get into our first and proper announcements, we do have to bring a special guest on to the show for just a wee bit because we have an announcement that we really want his help to talk about. But uh, uh, Jasper, buddy, are you on?
0: Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me.
2: Oh, you're welcome, man. We're glad you're here. So, uh, a lot of people may know Jasper both from our forums and the FFG forums as an incredibly prolific and uh, very positive and uh, superb community member for the game, but uh, may not know your real name is is Steve. Steve Orr, right? Yeah, that's my name. Where are you at in the yeah. world, man? I'm in New York, a oh, bit uh, outside New York City. Very nice. Another another East Coaster, you and Phil. Uh, so, yes, you- indeed. Well, we're glad you're here, and uh, we uh, wanted to bring you on to talk about something very specific, which we're going to get to shortly. But before we do that, Phil, do you want to uh, uh, get the obligatory uh, Featured Podcast of the Week out of the way? Because it's it's an important one this time around.
3: Oh, it very well is. Uh, If you haven't been listening to one of D20 Radio's newer members, the Grim Dark Podcast, which is devoted to Warhammer 40K, you're missing out. They recently released their 45th episode, The Little Guy where they dig into Only War with special guest Ron Watson. Sorry, Ross Watson. Yeah. Ross chats about his involvement in the Regicide computer game, discussion on the rating support specialty with an overview, builds and role-playing advice. And the hosts also review 11th Hour and discuss encounter building. This is a great show for fans of 40K. If you don't know anything about Warhammer and want to, there are a few better places to start. The industry seems to think so, too, as we're proud to tell you that the Grim Dark Podcast has received its second Emmy nomination. Find this and many more great podcasts at www.d20radio.com.
2: Yes, and speaking of Emmy nominations, let's move into some juicy bits of web goodness. Um, you need to know a couple important things about Emmy nominations, boys and girls. Um, the N World Awards, uh, any nomination voting is live. And honestly, at the time you're hearing my voice, you probably only have a couple more days to vote because it ends on July 14th, people. Um, this is today, you know, we're, this is Sunday the 12th. It ends on the 14th. You need to head to www.any-awards.com. To vote. Not only has the Grimdark podcast been nominated, this is number two, but so has friend of the show Christopher West. Uh, two products of his, the Distant Outpost Collection, Credible maps he released earlier this year, um, and his work on Numen, or excuse me, last year, um, and his work on Numenera. Um, both those projects are on the list for best cartography. So, Grimdark Podcast, strong member of the D20 Radio Network, and friend of the show and D20 Radio sponsor Christopher West are all up for any awards so head any-awards. dot awardscom to vote please um it's all good so I, i'm kind of phil and steve both man we we got some ffg news we want to talk about really quick as well i mean steve have you been keeping up on uh the the most recent articles and announcements
0: i saw the one on morality and then there was oh the guardian book right oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. And then prior to that, we
2: had uh, Mask of the Pirate Queen as well. I mean, oh Phil, yeah, yeah, that looks good. Phil, I know That's you, Very good. I know you've been. You obviously are our, our resident zealot on the articles, man. You want to give us details?
3: Uh, sure. Well, let's start with the Mask of the Pirate Queen. Uh, this kind of came out of nowhere. I'm not sure if folks were kind of expecting this in the cycle. I think the general public had thought that they were done with uh, adventure support for Edge of the Empire, but I'm really glad to say that we were all proved wrong. Uh, there's a new adventure called Mask of the Pirate Queen that was announced recently, in between now and our last show. Uh, it appears to be a Bounty Hunter-themed episode, although, of course, I'm sure uh, fringers of all of the types will be welcome in this adventure. The synopsis is that the PCs are hired by the Zen Consortium to take out the Veiled Sorority, a pirate band led entirely by women and the mysterious Masked Pirate Queen. It is coming in fourth quarter 2015, And it is written by D20 Radio's own Gary Asselford. Oh, I'm so
2: pleased.
3: Yeah. (laughs) It's awesome.
2: Steve, man, do you ever run any of the published adventures or do you do entirely homebrew stuff?
0: Uh, It's funny you ask. I actually just started Beyond the Rim this past week. Um, nice. As a G, as a GM, we we did I ran uh, Julius Yavin as a PC, and that was pretty fun. But as a GM, this will be the first one I'm doing. That's the official published one. It's, it's, I'm pretty excited about it. I got it laid out pretty nice. I hooked it into kind of the overall campaign in a way that I kind of like. So uh, you know, it's going pretty good so far.
2: Oh, beyond the rim, and that's a Sterling Hershey joint, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it is. Oh man, so yeah, it's it's damn good. I haven't had a chance to run it yet, but I've read through it quite a bit. Um, and there's just there's some amazing content in there. So yeah. There
3: is. There it absolutely is. Um I don't tend to run those verbatim as what they are. Um I tend to try to pick and choose you know scenarios I like, thing themes that I like and uh kind of pull them apart and put them into put certain encounters into my other games. Uh but I, I did try to run beyond the rim. The only reason why I didn't finish is because just the you know bad schedules and the PCs just fell apart. But um no, the adventures that they've come out with for Edge of the Empire and Age of Rebellion, and I'm sure for Force and Destiny. Um, they're top notch. Absolutely top notch.
2: Yeah, it's, they're very impressive. So, okay, the other thing that, that, uh, Steve mentioned, uh, I mean, Phil is, is, keeping the peace, right? The, the, the Guardian career. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. The first career
3: book for Force and Destiny.
2: What did they announce in the article? I mean, specs, species?
3: Uh, they announced three, spe- three specs War Leader, Armorer, and Warden. Okay. Uh, war leader is sort of a charismatic and s- looks like pistol-based um, combatant. Good. We need that. Yes. Uh, armorer, which sounds a lot like a little bit of artisan, a little bit of um, gadgeteer. Okay. Rolled together. And warden, which just sounded weird. <laughs> um, I couldn't quite nail down what warden is. I think it's kind of survivalist. Survivalist, or or, and a little bit of it sounds, also sounds a little bit brawling based too. Hmm. Yeah. It, when like the description, it was like it was almost
2: uh, brawly. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. one thing we're missing from the from the the Force and Destiny, at least the beta, is Force users who specialize in their fist, Which there's a strong you know legends history of that, um, and Force users that use pistols. And there's le- mm-hmm. legends history for that too. So, yeah, such as a group called
3: the Wardens of the Sky, perhaps.
2: Oh, uh, hence the warden.
3: Perhaps. 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 Uh, as far as new species we're getting, we're getting the uh, the big-eared Lennox. Um We're getting, also getting the Ictochi, as was pre- uh, predominantly displayed uh, on the uh, cover art. And Whippids.
2: I am so excited for Whippids.
3: Looking forward to those three. Uh, and all, they also mentioned, of course, the two signature abilities, which they didn't, dis- they didn't specifically say what the new abilities were. But they did mention a new force power, Suppress. Okay, so I want to ask you to this. Do you think that this is going to
2: be the theme for the Force and Destiny Splat books? Are they going to introduce a new force power with each book?
3: I'm well, gonna, ha- I'm gonna have to say yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say the same. I mean, they're kind of setting a precedent here. It'd be weird if they did it in some of the future books.
3: Yeah. yeah, It would. Yeah, it would be odd to have a force power in this book and then like another force power. No, no other force powers appear in other career books. That would just be odd.
2: Yeah, that would be odd. Um, and did they give an announcement, The date on it?
3: Quarter three, 2015. Oh, so pretty fresh. Wow. Very yeah.
2: Nice. Between now
3: and October.
2: Dude, dude. Yeah. And then the other thing, Steve, I know you, you mentioned as well. The first thing you mentioned is this like just dropped Friday, this article between dark and light. Um, actually, uh, uh, D20 Radio's own because she's been on the podcast, uh, Katrina Ostrander um uh, shared a very insightful designer diary on the morality system, uh, in Force and Destiny. It's just a really good read um for those who haven't done it or played with it at all. Have I mean have you I know I know your history with it, Phil, but Steve man, have you gotten have you got did you get the bait on the table a lot? Have you played with a lot of the Force characters yet or abilities?
0: So we did we started a clone war campaign where we had a couple Jedi and we messed around with the morality a little bit. And we're messing around with a little bit with a force sensitive right now. Um it's we have—I'll uh, be honest. With you. We haven't been like religiously following it and always remembering to uh, add up the conflict points and then subtract <laughs> them at the end. Yeah, it's just like one more thing to remember that we often don't remember. Yeah, but it's you know it's definitely interesting. It's kind of gives the Force users a little bit of extra pause when they see those dark side pips and, and start thinking about flipping them over.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Precisely. And that's honestly the most time that I tend to see conflict get on the table is when the PC is det- trying to decide, do I really want the force points? Yeah. Um, otherwise, it's it's it like you said, uh, Steve, sometimes it's hard to remember that, hey, I'm supposed to be doing things that could generate conflict for the PCs, or I should be telling PCs when something they do is about to generate conflict or whatnot. It can be hard to remember sometimes, and yet another thing to, for the GM to keep track of. But at least this is a system where the GM isn't filled with a lot of that yeah you know, there's very the rare mental, the yeah. mental bandwidth is there to allow to you remember that if if you do
2: what i hear phil is i hear a show topic <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> how to how to <laughs> track the stuff we have to track Ooh, yeah, I, I hear a show topic do you hear a show topic i i, I do whispering in the winds of the future I, I i do too i don't know maybe we can have steve come back on and guess with us to talk about that at some point
0: Oh, sure. Oh, man. I'm, I'm I can fine. tell you all the things that I forget to do, and then you can tell See, me how to stop forgetting. That's exactly that. that's what I'm
2: saying. There <laughs> you go. Okay. That could be fun, actually. That's <laughs> what I'm saying, right? Right? Yeah. See, I have ideas. Some of them are good, some of them are not, but some of them are good. Yes. So, yeah. Okay, that's FFG news. Um, uh, calling an Audible, a couple of quick announcements uh, before we get into the big announcement. Sure. Um, the Science Asylum. This is an odd announcement, but I've, I've just got to share it. If, if you listeners are not aware of the Science Asylum vlog slash YouTube channel, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, it's like six, ten minute videos. They use science to explain things and basically help you win arguments with your friends. With science. Um, Why am I telling you all about this? Because, one, it's a cool vlog. You should go check it out. But, two, tomorrow, July 13th, they are going to post a new video where they are going to explain, with science, how Han Solo could do the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. Um... (laughs) So, yes, when the Star Wars haters out there throw that one at you, you know, oh, but it's a unit of distance. It makes no sense. Then you should, thanks to the Science Asylum, be able to give them an honest answer from a real physicist. So there. And I just wanted to share that. It makes sense because science. Because science. Um, so. (laughs) Bitches bitches uh most of you who are hearing the sound of my voice at this point in time uh, on the on the cast uh probably this this has probably gone live so head to www.scienceasylum.com or search for them on youtube tomorrow um on the 13th to catch what will surely be an awesome vlog and it's it's badass now before we get to our lengthy announcement a couple other quick things um kickstarter glory um chris west forsaken uh, steve have you seen chris west kickstarter man for uh, Maps I think and I've seen that one. The, dude, the new one—it's up over ten grand at this point. Wow. Um, I mean, I'm I'm look I'm looking at it right now, and honestly, guys, you know, Chris West has been a longtime supporter of the network and a friend of the show. You've only got three days left from the from from the time of this live recording to pledge before it ends. All right, so uh, honestly, it it's it's gonna end on Wednesday. Um, and for twenty seven bucks, you can get two double sided maps at this point. All the maps have been unlocked. They've actually unlocked reprints of two of the earlier maps. If you really want to, Forsaken Lands 1 and 2, pledge extra to get those maps. And every uh, backer is automatically going to be receiving for free some bonus terrain tile cards as well. These maps look amazing. Um, head to Kickstarter and do a search for either Christopher West or Maps of Mastery or Forsaken Lands to pull it up and, and you can you can pledge and get yours before they're going to be gone. Because the way this tends to work is he does his prints and they sell out like in a matter of months. I mean, he usually sells them almost all at Gen Con and then the rest within a few months. So if you want to get your hands on these, they're pretty freaking amazing. Yeah. Um.
3: I, I've been using West's maps ever since I really discovered him years ago. Yes, yes. Um man. I don't think I've ever run a Saga game that did not include one of his maps per session.
2: I don't think I've run an FFG game that hasn't included one of his maps per session. Oh, well
3: same, same. I'm ju- I'm just oh, saying yeah. that, you know, Saga came out two thousand seven. Yeah. Uh he was doing he was working for Watsy then. I don't think I have ever played a Saga game or a Star Wars game since that hasn't had his maps in it. Every session, yeah,
2: they're just too beautiful. And we have another, we have another Kickstarter too, Phil. Right from Reaper.
3: Oh yes, Reaper Bones three. As if their last two weren't successful enough, um, our good buddies over at Reaper uh, have kicked off uh, their third Bones line, which is basically their great conversion of taking some of their popular metal miniatures and converting them over over to a lower cost plastic miniature. Uh, these miniatures are great. They don't require priming. You can start painting on them immediately. Um, within the first day, they were already at $700,000 and had unlocked all sorts of bonus minis for the core vampire set and various other add-on goodness. Um, they're Unlike the previous bones, they have a shorter uh, bidding window for this. This one ends on July 25th. There are lots of good minis out there to use for Star Wars games, too, especially the black Corsairs, who kind of look like Terran Marines from StarCraft. Um, very handy for anyone who does any level of gaming that uses maps and wants to use minis, whether you're doing it tactically or more freeform, like, you know, narratively, like Fantasy Flight Games. Um, they're solid minis. They're a great company. They put out a good quality product. So uh, if you want some good minis for and get a real value, head on over there, bit up the vampire, and... Uh, Help me get some more minis unlocked from my vampire set, will you? Oh, yeah.
2: (laughs) Very good stuff. Very good stuff.
3: All right. So. Minis from their first first bone set. I know.
2: I've I've got a box of unpainted Bones (laughs) 1 minis. So, yeah. Now we have the big announcement. And this is really the reason we wanted to bring Steve on to talk about this. The fan-generated Star Wars Rebel (laughs) Sourcebook.
3: Dude.
2: Um, so Jasper, obviously you produced this thing um really this fan created source book really for I guess season one of, of Star wars rebels, the, kind of the spark of rebellion basically it is mm-hmm. out, man, yeah, dude, pretty excited about it okay th- this thing is one gorgeous, it's epic, it looks like it was produced by f f g in terms of its graphical quality um, but it was written by like over half a dozen hardcore fans and community members like forum community members i yeah, mean
0: who who all was involved in this? So I got to start with the person that kind of started this all. John Wisniewski, uh, you know, it goes by Drayton on the forums. And he kind of started by posting a concept art of a cover and, and it's the cover that you see of the book. And he was like, Hey, you know, I, I like rebels. I think it fits well with the system. I created this cover and like the response to the cover was like so awesome that he kind of was like, what if we actually put some content behind this and would anybody be interested? And <laughs> you know, I raised my hand. I was like, I think that's an awesome idea. We kind of gathered a team and. and you know, we got, we put together a pretty good team. So I'll, I'll give some shout outs here for the people. So we got, we got John, who did all, pretty much all the art, the cover art, uh, like 95% of the art that you see inside the book with the layout and stuff. Uh, we've got Ash, who goes by Mr. Dodger on the forums, was writing a bunch of content. Some of the other writers. We've got Warren H. We've got Jager Wright, who you may know his, his blog is around. He, okay. He it's posts. actually, it's, so it's Jager Greta. There you go. See, and Thank we
2: you. we've met him. He's from Norway, and he actually yes. he actually came down to Dallas for Gamer Nation Con in March. So yeah.
0: Okay. Thanks for the, correction up, the pronunciation,
2: dude. Yeah, he's it's that's that's Alden. He's
0: a badass dude. Yep, yep. Uh, also, we got Rassak Rakesh, and I'll probably mess up the pronunciation of this too, but Kessindeja. But yeah, that's, that's pretty much me. that's the team. That's the team. We uh, you know, we we were pretty lucky. We had a pretty team a pretty good team that was really enthusiastic about it really dedicated i mean just to see something like this through you know over the course of about five months and you know turn out the amount of content that we did was it was uh, you know we was pretty excited about it so shout out to those guys you know everybody really contributed really happy to with the final product and uh you know we're talking about doing something else next you know everybody's really happy with the response so far and we're, we're already thought i don't give them any uh any tips yet what we're working on but we've got some ideas there was an outline that was just emailed around yesterday that's looking pretty good for something new
2: okay so i was talking to um uh, when this dropped i was talking actually to keith cappel yes Um, you know and he and ryan brooks you know the duo that is was fandom comics basically which produced those redonkulous uh, of the same quality of what you have done supplements for saga edition and they are both now freelancers working for ffg Yep. Um, he, his praise of this should make you glow, man. He was just like, he was, he said, this is incredible. And he said, the fact that you guys were able to do this via forum community is, is like, is impossible. It never should have happened. <laughs> it's like, it's like herding cats. Um,
0: yeah. There was a little bit of cat herding involved, but it wasn't too bad.
2: Uh, so that's just, oh that's just so wicked. So, okay, what, what can, what can players out there in this fan generated source book find? What what, what what kind of stuff did you put in there?
0: So what we tried to do, and I think we captured the spirit pretty good, was took a look at the official books that FFG put out for the settings, specifically the Corellian one and the Hot one. Yeah, so Sons, right? of,
2: Sons of Fortune and, um, yep. yeah, gotcha, gotcha. And Lords of Nahada. The Lords of yeah. Nahada, yeah.
0: So we looked at that and we were like, okay, we're pretty much going to emulate this chapter setup, this style, this... Sections and and we I mean I don't know if it, it detracts from it to say we copied the the you know the the outline but that's pretty much what we did so we've got you know the first section kind of talks about uh you know just what the what the the topic is the rebels and talks about uh, Loth- Lothal, which is where a lot of the action in season one takes place and goes into really in depth stuff about the different parts of Lothal and uh, you know areas it talks about bars it talks about dark alleys it talks about Uh, critters that are roaming the sewers. Um, then after that, we talk about the empire a little bit. So on the flip side, we're looking at the empire. We go into a little bit about the different adversaries. Um, Oh yeah, I should, I should mention the rebel part. Uh, we statted out the crew, which is probably from the feedback so far, so far, statting out (laughs) well-known characters is the biggest point of contention with the community. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that for now. Um, but there are stats there for the crew of the Ghost.
2: And listen, yes. even if you reskin these things, they're just damn good stat blocks. I mean, I, I've i already filed them away in my holocron just for for reskinning for future NPC use whenever I need, you know, Twi'lek pilot A, yeah. you know what I mean? It's true.
0: Yeah. And then chapter three is the player options thing. So we've got the new, two new species, we went with Lasat, which is, you know, Zeb's species, and then... It was kind of a little bit back and forth what we should do for the second. When we finally decided on Mandalorian for Sabine um, sure. and we kind of had the precedent of doing a very specific human from the Corellian human that yeah. was in the Sons of Fortune book. Oh, yeah. So we, we were like – we felt like we could get away with it since they did it. <laughs> well,
2: well, um, like, well, the fact that they did that was pretty contested and a lot of fans don't like that. But the fact is yeah. they've done it and they've so they've opened that pattern and you know they're going to do it again. Yeah. So yeah. I think I I think you know considering that you're following the schema that FFG has set forth, I think that was a wise
0: decision. Yeah. And we we, we kind of, to be honest, we kind of struggled on, on other species. So it was kind of like we we played with the Inquisitor species a little bit, but it didn't quite feel right as a PC species. Yeah. The um, yeah. Is, yeah. Is is that he, one
2: is he is he a Udipal? Yeah. He, he's he, a he, Nudapal an he, He's a an Yeah, Yeah. Yes. That's right.
0: Yeah, so those are the two we went with. And then we've got, you know, the, the, new weapons, uh, new armor, uh, the ghost, which actually got a lot of good feedback. The, the V, V, let me get the model right. VCX100. So we had a, a Pretty good discussion back and forth, trying to figure out what the stats on that were. Actually, I believe you had you guys had one of the designers on talking about it at one point and statting it out kind of on the fly. We did. We had Sam Stewart on the show to yeah. stat that out on yeah. the
2: fly at one point, and we came up with different options for how it might be statted too. So yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: So we li- we actually listened to that and put that in our little spreadsheet of <laughs> possibilities and things to consider and compare it about, kind of picked and choose and debated and come out with a consensus. That's awesome. Uh, it was, that that one was an interesting one because we definitely had, we wanted to kind of get it right and, and, you know, get everybody's input and, you know, make sure that it felt right. Um, and then the chapter four, which was actually my favorite, my favorite section was the modular encounters. We got a bunch of different modular encounters there. Some of them very, very specific to what you saw in Rebels. Some of them, uh, maybe a little stretch to connect it to Rebels, but, you know, it was just kind of ideas that we had and wanted to flush out a little bit. Sure.
2: So to me, me personally, I mean, listen, it's, the stuff on adversaries, rebel cells, was really cool. Like, new species, new gear, weapons, awesome stuff. For me, the most amazing thing you guys delivered that I just personally will get the most use out of in all my GMing is those modular encounters. They are beautifully done. Um, they're very well designed. And even those that are very specific to the show can be reskinned very easily with a few minor name changes. Yeah. And that was it Was it. that was absolutely just completely brilliant, man. Bravo.
0: Thank brav, you, brav, thank you. Yeah, we we're you. pretty
2: happy how it, how it turned out. Um, so those of you who are listening to this, you may be saying, well, God, this sounds incredible. How can I get my hands on this fan-made source book, this, this PDF? And uh, honestly, uh, you know, Steve, you were kind enough to reach out to us here at D20 Radio, um, and we are proud to announce that D20 Radio is going to be hosting or is already hosting this document. Um, yep. If you head to d20radio.com, you will find the announcement uh, and the article for it, which will take you to the page where you can you can just just click on it. And if you want to, if you don't want to 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 mess around, you can simply go um, uh, to uh, d20radio.com/rebels, and that will take Actually, you. Actually, sorry, er- I just want a correction: it's rebels.d20radio.com. Thank you. I said that incorrectly. Yes. Rebels.d20radio.com. Thank you, Steve. Yeah. Um, so if you head to rebels.d20radio.com, that'll take you directly to the download page. And um, you guys are are making adjustments and edits to that at, at that document as they come. Um, and you've already we you've already made some. We've already posted an updated version of it after the original announcement as well. So
0: yeah, I mean, so we kind of knew that there'd be at least some stuff that the community would find, even though we had crazy amount of people looking at it. Actually, I got to give a shout out Brad Knowles too. He he helped us beta test it, and he went over the thing with like. A magnifying glass and uh, I don't want to tell you the number of things he found but it was on the order of dozens (laughs) Um, so it was a big help because it really helped us put the final touches and making sure that we got all the typos and horrible grammar corrected Uh, so so I feel it's in pretty good shape but there's still like little things like I botched one of the weapon descriptions and just somehow totally like left it out I'm like oops Um, so that's back in there now and then uh, the Inquisitor didn't have lightsaber skill. We we're like, oh yeah, that's, we kind of missed that. Um, yes. And then we nerfed like two of the weapons because the Kobe were like, this is overpowered. So, you know, we listened to the feedback. We're, we're uh, going to make changes based on, that, but we're probably not going to mess with it a whole lot beyond this point. I mean, we did we did playtest a lot of this stuff. We did kind of debate it quite a bit. Um, it did have a lot of eyes on it, but you know, I mean, any any kind of publication like this or software. It's always going to – once you get it in the hands of the masses, they're going to find stuff that you just didn't.
2: Well, okay, But I've got to say the nice thing about a fan-generated PDF is that errata becomes pretty simple. You can update the electronic document and you're done. I mean poor FFG. They can't do that. they publishing paper books. That is
0: true. Yes, that is true.
2: (laughs) So you're – Poor FFG,
0: I feel for them (laughs) because they put something out there and they're like, oh, crap. We've got lightsaber for the Inquisitor. You know, the ship is sailed. The book is printed. (laughs) So, so yeah we're we're pretty lucky in that regard
2: you you definitely are, so I have one final question for you mm-hmm. um because we're already getting it in chat. um some of our listeners and fans out there, if they want to get involved in the next project and maybe uh take their chops at contributing, what's the best way for them to reach out to do that?
0: very good question so. I would say if you're, like, super enthusiastic and, like, you want to get on this now, shoot me, a, shoot me a DM on the official forums. You should be able to find my name. It's just Jasper, J-A-S-P-O-R. Look for the, the thread that's on the front page about the release of this book. Um, if you're, like, I don't know, want to kind of just wait and see what's going to happen, we'll probably post a thread in the next week or two asking for anybody else um, that may want to help out because we do have a lot of ideas kicking around and the, the team is good and dedicated and prolific but it still could probably benefit from a couple more people okay um, there's a lot of people doing a lot of work to to get this all done so yeah i mean definitely if you're if you're down to and we could use everything it's not just you know it's it's writers it's proofreaders it's copy editors it's if you want to do some art type stuff um whatever you want to do yeah you know hit, hit us up we can definitely use the help, and uh, it's pretty fun. We have a pretty good team. Dude, okay, so
2: so folks, if you're interested, of course, head to the, the FFG forums at FantasyFlightGames.com, and you can click on Community and Forums to get there. Uh, what For people that are looking for the announcement of the next project, what is the, the meta-forum you're likely to be posting that in? Because obviously there's a lot of forums for the various games. Um, oh, it'll it'll be the Edge of Empire one. It'll yeah. be in the Edge of the Empire one. That seems to be the main one for FFT. Yeah, stuff, so, yeah, it yeah. seems to be the main one. It seems, it seems to be the main one. So that's that's excellent. Of course, you can head there, uh, register, and uh, obviously uh, uh, send a message to Jasper as well.
0: So, family. oh, you want me? Can I plug my Twitter too? They can hit me up that way. Oh, damn right. Yeah, please do. Yeah, so my Twitter, if I remember what it is, it should be at Agent Jasper. At Agent Jasper. Love it, love
2: it. And of course, guys, again, if you want to see this amazing work, you can head to d20radio.com to find it. And while you're at d20radio.com, check out the best gaming blog, This Side of the Kessel Run. Uh, d20radio.com is your source for the best gaming advice, articles, reviews, and fan-generated content on the web, all written by members of the Gamer Nation, just like you. In fact, just this past week, um, our editor-in-chief, Wayne Basta, treated us to a, a phenomenal interview um, with Christopher, the aforementioned Christopher West, Um, so that was really nice. And some other really exciting stuff we have on the docket, aside from this amazing, you know, hosting of this incredible source book, um, an interview with the eponymous Leonard Balsera, um, of Fate fame, for those of you who are fans of, of the Fate system or the Dresden Files game specifically, um, is going to be, uh, engaging in an interview to talk about some of his more recent stuff. Really excited to read that. So, huzzah. Um, lastly, Steve, do you, do you, do you go to Gen Con at all? No, I have not been to Gen Con. It's mecca, man. Phil will tell you you got to go at least once, <laughs> at least once. And but then um, you'll get hooked
3: and you'll want to go again. Yes, <laughs>
2: yes, this is this is this is true. But um, this year at Gen Con, uh, D20 Radio is having its Wednesday night uh, meet and greet uh, at the Old Spaghetti Factory, um, and it's going to be, uh, I believe, at six p.m. Uh, But the registration for this is filling up and we have to have our final numbers to the venue by Wednesday the 15th. So if you are going to be attending Gen Con or you think you're going to be attending Gen Con and you would like on Wednesday night to come hang out with other D20 radio listeners and hosts uh, and special industry guests that are going to be there and developers and they're all going to show up and we're going to have a great time and you want to see people, you need to let us know that you're going to be there so we can get your name on the ticket Um, you need to contact GM Dave ASAP. You can do this in a couple ways. Uh, The easiest way is, of course, to head to Facebook um, and the D20 Radio group where you can uh, find the event in the group for this, and you can just accept it, sign up for it. Um, The other thing you can do is email GM Dave. Uh, That's gmdave at d20radio.com. Um, And, you know, if you're in the Facebook moods, it's the easiest thing to do. You can stay in the know by following us at D20 Radio, um, uh, that that group on Facebook for news and podcast info on a regular basis. And you can also follow us on Twitter. I'll plug my Twitter account at D20 Radio, uh, where Phil, Dave, myself, and several other industry notables are all retweeted. We post and tweet show info and announcements regularly. So superb. I am just so tickled by this this, this source book, uh, Steve. Man, this is, this is great stuff. Thank you so much for coming on to chat with us about it.
0: No, thanks for having me. I mean, thanks. we're really excited to have it out there. Happy that the community is enjoying it so far. And really appreciate that you guys had me on to like promote it a little bit more. And I'm glad that you guys liked it too because, you know, uh, I'm happy. I'm just happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, kudos are deserved. So thank you so much.
2: Thank you very much. And now, guys, we are going to move into SWRPG Adventures, the really most informative 140 characters or less on the internet, with our Adventure of the Week. Welcome to Star Wars Adventures of the Week, brought to you by SWRPG Adventures on Twitter this week. The PCs negotiate for access to a hyperspace route through an isolationist system, but the system leader will only allow it if a PC marries his daughter. This has been Star Wars Adventures of the Week, brought to you by SWRPG Adventures. For more adventure ideas in 140 characters or less, be sure to follow SWRPG Adventures on Twitter. And remember, keep adventuring!
3: I like that one. That was a good one.
2: How do you play that out? And do you make her homely or really hot? Okay, but innocent. Do you do a saffron situation?
3: Oh, man. You gotta—you you could run both ways.
2: Oh. As a
3: matter of fact, if you're really mean, you run it one way, and then like a year later, you run it the other way. Oh, <laughs> oh God, not this again. Well, at least she's hot this time. Oh, I, yeah, all right, man. fine. You're right.
2: Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Oh, all right, man. Well, are you uh, as excited as I am to get to the meat of tonight's show?
3: I'm very excited. And Dave was so excited. He didn't show up.
2: <laughs> yeah, we mentioned we're flying as a duo tonight. Obviously, Dave, Dave had an unexpected family commitment pop up Um, like uh, he had a crazy weekend, like massive family wedding for him, which, by the way, congratulations to the Vegas family. Very happy for them. Um, and also, this is like his daughter's last weekend before she goes back to college. When she's in town, and it just it all got crazy. And the bottom line is, he still has dozens of people in his home. So right now, uh, right now, <laughs> right now. So right. he ain't
3: gonna be coming on.
2: He ain't gonna be coming on unless his wife rip his face off. Um, yes. So and so she'll so, do it. so she will she will do it, man. I, I, she she will. Uh, it's just a shame because Dave absolutely hates this spec, and I was interested <laughs> to see his build for it. But um, I don't hate this spec, so I'm excited to talk about it. Shall we?
3: We shall.
2: Okay. Ah, so, as we like to do, um, and you guys do seem to love so very much, we're going to be returning to the recurring show topic segment of Will Isn't That Special where we take a hard look at the specific specialization from the game, and we tear it apart, we play with it, we talk about how to use it best, and then we take our advice to task at our very own build-offs for the specialization. And tonight, by listener request from Bell Iblis, Twelfth Night, Zarissa, and Darth Omnid, we examine the Smuggler's Charmer specialization. Mm. Um, now, Phil, correct me if I'm wrong, this was presented in Fly, Fly Casual. It was. It was. Um, And the charmer is kind of the socially focused smuggler option. It is. Uh, Many have hailed this as a one-trick pony and socially focused to the point of almost atrophy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is this the case or is this spec more than it seems? We are going to do our very best to find out. So plaster on your million-dollar smiles, Gamer Nation. Fasten your capes tightly and grab your Colt 45s because we are about to charm it up tonight on your order 66 podcast
4: and what makes you so special
2: in my book experience outranks everything great kid don't get cocky i'm looking forward to completing
0: your training i don't know where you get your delusions laser brain i will be the most powerful jedi ever What well, is not that special <sighs>
2: <laughs> all right filbert Talk to me about The Charmer, man.
3: Well, The Charmer is a bit of an odd speck. Okay. Well, now, despite a career skill of deception, no one can really call the smuggler a devastatingly social character. <laughs> at least until this book came out. <laughs> right. So for those following along in your storybooks at home, tonight's specialization can be found on page 26 of Fly Casual, the career book for smugglers. Now, playing a charmer... What are they about, and what do they care about?
1: Mm. Uh,
3: A charmer is a socially focused character, just like the politico, but instead of a focus on cunning deceit and negotiation, or forceful coercion, it focuses on a dashing charisma. Despite the fact that deception, leadership, and negotiation are all on the skill list for the charmer, the charmer's primary abilities are all about charm, and a wee bit of leadership. A wee bit! Uh, Even in combat, the Charmer is the character who uses his silver tongue first and foremost, rarely resorting to such pedestrian measures as violence. (laughs) Bolstering allies, stripping away enemies' defenses, or simply bowing out of a fight, even with your gun in hand, these are all the domain of the Charmer. You're a pretty face, and an extremely valuable support character, both in and out of combat. Mm. So
2: I, I find the Charmer, you know, we like to talk about the uniqueness of each spec, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um you know and I kind of mentioned this before the thing about the charmer is there's a lot of people online this spec gets a lot of hate um because they consider it really to be a one trick pony yeah um uh, mostly because the vast majority of their abilities are focused on the charm skill sure um and when I say vast majority I mean all but two
3: <laughs> true true
2: um but as you guys will see here in in our analysis this spec is actually extremely well designed to be a lot more diverse Uh, But the thing is, while still relying on a primary characteristic um, of presence, and the upshot is that actually makes this, in all my reading, one of the most XP-friendly specs out there. Right. The key characteristic for the Charmer is presence, and that's not just because it governs charm. It also governs leadership. It also governs negotiation. Other spec skills that uh, the Charmer has, and and that they should have ranks in if they're a good charmer. Sure. But... This means, ultimately, that unlike many specs, you really can get... You don't have to, but you really can get by with just an above-average presence. Um, What that means in the short run and long run is a lot of XP uh, during character creation that you don't have to spend on other characteristics. You can just go balls-out presence and be a superb archetype. Um, the the XP efficiency of this spec manifests itself that way, and also in several other ways that we're going to dig into. And in in, in my opinion, is possibly its greatest unrealized strength. It's true. So, you know, I, yeah, agree or disagree, Phil? But I, I I just you know, as especially as I was going through um through my my build for the build off, I was like, holy crap, I am powerful quick because I got a lot of XP to work with because I didn't have to spend it on what other things. You know what I mean? Right, right, um you know, and plus you know like let's talk about the one trick pony man I mean I, I, like i you gotta realize you're a smuggler first and foremost, right that's your career,
3: yeah, I mean, and it gives you access to like skull and piling and knowledge and all the other skills that being a smuggler gets you uh you' already have very extremely diverse skill list um so you've got all those other aspects that you can grab a little bit here a little bit there in okay, well, what can't the charmer do? uh a, a lot of the inte- the intelligence based stuff okay um medicine and computers and mechanics um yeah, you know yeah, well that, 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 but that's a charmer though you're more like you're more likely to convince a doctor to provide assistant or negotiate some cheap stim packs than you are to do it yourself uh, and, and more you're more likely to charm your way past in any technical situations or rely on your skull druggery when your purposes are more nefarious
2: true true cuz obviously um, you're going to be low low man on computers mechanics
3: Right, right. Um now the one thing that you will notice that is missing from the career skills and the charmer skills list is fighting ability. <laughs> yeah. Um as a as a character you have zero combat skills on your skill list. Again, this is part of their bailiwick. They're you know, they're a charmer. They're, they're a support character, likely to stay out of the fight or duck down and bolster their allies and debuff their foes. And if you really feel bad about zero ranks in combat skills, then go human and get a couple free ranks in non-career skills or just pay the XP penalty and get ranks up in in those skills. Frankly, with XP as efficient as it is in this spec, it's totally doable without being too broken.
2: This is <clears throat> these are all valid points. Um Okay, so this is kind of what the charmer is about. Um let's, you know, as, as we as we often do now, I'd like to break down the charmer tree into two distinct archetypes of talent collaboration. Sure. Um, Now, like many trees, there are groupings of talent abilities for clear and common usage and synergies, but unlike most specializations, the Charmer doesn't have these clear lines of columns and direct paths that lead to these two archetypes. You know what I
3: mean? No, it's a lot more muddled
2: it is. I mean, ultimately, what we're trying to say is you can't just follow one of the archetype paths without having to wade through some of the talents that the other one has. But but honestly, that's okay. I mean, the, the bottom line is that, I mean, and Phil, you, you, I mean, actually, even Dave, who hates this spec, because the reason Dave hates the spec is because he hates social characters. He hates faces. Mm-hmm. Um but when when he was preparing for this, he he messaged me. He's like, "Oh my god, this talent tree is amazing." <laughs> he said he said he said there's there's not a useless talent on this tree, and there really isn't. And every single talent in this tree is useful to the charmer. It's ridiculously useful um, tree, all in all. So as we talk about these archetypes, understand we don't intend for you to focus on one set of talents and not the other. Um, no. it's really not possible. It's just, as we talk about this, it's really an easy way for us to group out the talents into their common uses during play. So, there there is that. Um, Phil, you want to hit us up with the first archetype, man?
3: Sure. Uh, the one that we came up with first was the Sharp Tongue. Um, this is the first archetype, and is all actually about combat. And that may seem strange. As we've discussed, this isn't a combative character. The Sharp Tongue is about leading a party into combat and buffing them, along with using social abilities to debuff the party's foes. Um, Inspiring Rhetoric and Improved Inspiring Rhetoric at 5 and 10 XP at the top of the tree. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, isn't this the cheapest that you will find these two support talents in the whole game? We, We talked about why this is such an XP efficient spec. This is the
2: cheapest you will find these talents in the game. One on top of the other, it's ridiculous.
1: God, then
3: that means there's no reason you can't have both of these at beginning character creation. Correct. It is worth it to, you know, dial back and find 15 XP to pick up these two talents and go into session one with being able to get a boot, give a boost die on all skill checks for a number of rounds equal to your ranks in leadership.
2: That's the thing. It's like, listen, inspiring rhetoric's nice. Strain recovery, it's nice. It's handy. But you're just doing it to get to improve. (laughs)
3: Boost die,
0: boost die.
3: Yeah. All right. So leadership isn't your big thing, but with your hopefully large presence and hopefully free single rank in leadership, you should be destroying that two purple difficulty on the talent in your sleep. One would hope. One would hope, unless you have those really annoying roles where all your positive dice come up advantage. <laughs> hey, well then, Bruce. well then
2: you, well then you cross spec into the gambler. Oh, oh. Oh, anyway. Yeah.
3: later 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 later, later. um next one up is disarming smile this is a mint mint talent two ranks are found in this tree you make a charm check to reduce the defenses of a opposed charm check i should say to reduce the defense of a foe until the end of the encounter seriously (laughs) two ranks and you reduce a all you reduce an opponent to defense two and who has a defense higher than two?
2: Who has a defense higher than one? Can you think of anything that gives you a personal defense higher than one?
3: It takes combos.
2: Yeah, that's true.
3: That's true. It, it takes good. like 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 lightsaber combos or 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 things along that. Or, line. or like, par-
2: parry. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Fair
1: enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah.
3: Well, not, not not even necessarily parry. I mean, like um, deflection and defense bonuses off of off of like lightsabers and, and melee weapons and shields and stuff. Yeah. Or if you've got a personal shield generator. <laughs> Right,
2: okay, there you go, there you go,
3: there you go, but but that's the thing it's like getting a defensive two is hard, <laughs> and, and w- you shut them down, and who who ha what kind of combat character who has a defensive two is going to have a charm check that you can't annihilate in your sleep
1: <laughs> yeah, it's an
3: opposed charm check,
2: <laughs> pretty much yeah
3: it's and I don't think it's just against you 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 lower that target's defenses by two, yeah. To everybody! Yeah. Yeah. It's, incre- it's crazy. Yeah, it doesn't say anything about, you know, your attacks against them. It just says, if you succeed, decrease the target's defense, melee, and ranged by a number equal to the character's ranks and disarming smile until the end of the encounter.
2: Yeah, it is. It, this is a party help tool.
3: <laughs> What's up? <laughs> What's up? Get him, guys. Would
2: you like a Colt 45?
3: Perhaps a DL-44. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> so moving on from there, the next one is, uh next talent that, that fits this build is Work Like a Charm. Works Like a Charm. Uh, the versatility of this talent is myriad. But as a part of the Sharp Tongue archetype, it lets you use your boss presence once per session to fire that blaster or throw a punch like a boss when you absolutely need to yeah. by using your presence rather than the characteristic linked to that skill. Yeah. Yeah. You <clears throat> just got to use that presence of five to hit somebody <laughs> or, to, or to disarm a bomb. There you go. There you go. Um, then, of course, you got the standbys. Grit, intense presence, resolve, you know, you get your increased strain threshold, strain reduction, and strain recovery. Very combat-esque focused. Where, though, it's worth noting, it's all, these are also amazing for social combat as well.
2: Yes, and now that we have rules, like, codified rules for social combat that rely on strain
3: in Desperate Allies, yep. it, it matters. And finally, don't shoot. ha. <sighs> The key ability of the tree. This twenty-five XP talent gives you the once-per-session ability to make a hard charm check and just opt out of combat for the rest of the encounter. <laughs> as long as you don't make another combat check yourself, that means you can boost allies, you can debuff foes, and all the while, no one will shoot you. It, that is, it's it's almost broken. Yes. <laughs> it's it's almost once per session helps
2: once per session makes it not broken um uh, yeah. but it does say it's almost but it, it, i understand it's a bottom tier talent i get it um <clears throat>
3: dude that that's crazy boost allies debuff foes you're just like yo, know, you look like oh don't shoot but hey i'm gonna distract you so that my buddy doesn't have to deal with your annoying defenses pretty much. Go get him, guys. Boost dice for everybody. It's... Hey, I'm not attacking you. Don't hit me.
2: Don't hit me. I'm not with them. I'm not with them. My god, what's wrong with? Is your shoe untied? Hey. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, so that's our first archetype, the sharp tongue.
3: So what's the other side of it?
2: The smooth tongue. Oh. Um, you know, you have a smooth tongue. Uh so this archetype is all about the non-combat social maneuvers. Um having said that, realize that most of these talents that I'm going to talk about will aid the charm checks that the sharp tongue makes while they're in combat. Okay, all right. But unlike the sharp tongue, these talents also have strong use outside of combat as well. Um, kill with kindness, plausible deniability. Um, you know the standby social talents that remove setback dice. Uh, sure. two ranks of kill with kindness for the for charm and leadership are really just essential to this build. Uh, the one rank of plausible deniability is weird to me. It's kind of odd. It's almost like, yeah, you got Deception on your skill list, and you're a smuggler, so we got to give you at least a rank of plausible deniability. Um, <laughs> because, I mean, that's the thing. That despite the fact that it's on the skill list, this character is not a deceiver. Okay? Um True. I mean, by common actions. they're They're just not. They don't have any abilities to boost that aside from this one little talent. And they don't even have coercion on their skill list, so... You know, I, I'm confused by Plausible Deniability, but, you know, I, I get it.
3: Probably to give Charmer a little more skill synergy with Scoundrel. It, most likely. That's exactly yeah. exactly what I'm talking about.
2: So after, uh, you know, you got, you got ranks in Kill with Kindness. You got a rank in Plausible Deniability. After that, Smooth Talker, um, up to two ranks here. Uh, we, you know, and Phil, last episode we talked about the versatility of this talent, uh, or talents like this. You know what I mean? The whole spend the triumph to gain successes thing. Yep. Um, equal to your ranks and smooth talker. Uh, this can make the difference between simple success and failure. I mean, yeah, triumph's fantastic, but if you're going to fail the check, do, would you rather just forego the... You know what I mean? Right. So, uh, that's it, it's incredibly valuable. Let's uh, see. I can have something interesting happen or be successful. Or be successful. Hmm. hmm. Now, obviously, my group might go for the interesting thing. That's true. But it comes and goes. Um... The other thing, too, is it's not just success or failure. The number of successes can often be used by GMs to determine degree of success oh, or, sure. or the amount of time it takes to to, to accomplish something. Right. Um, so especially in a social arena, that can, that can matter. It can help. Um, up next is Congenial. This powerful, almost stupid powerful talent has two ranks in the tree. Suffer strain to downgrade the difficulty of a charm or negotiation check you make, equal to you know your ranks congenial. You suffer that many strain. You make that many downgrades, or upgrade the difficulty of a charm or negotiation check that targets you. Um, this talent can make you just an absolutely monster social character. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, um. I mean, not only are you, do you probably just have a boss charm check on its own, but you can just reduce your difficulties with some strain. That is, or downgrade your difficulties with some strain. That's absolutely huge. You do want to make sure, though, that you have a decent strain threshold. And I do got to give some writing and development props here because the inclusion of, of grit. Intense presence resolve makes you a more strain savvy character. You know what I mean,
3: right? You need to hug that right side of the tree if you are going to start using congenial a lot. A lot, yes, yes.
2: Um, and lastly, we have natural charmer. Uh, you know, once which is which is an, a talent we've seen before. Once per session, you can reroll a charm or deception check, and then dedication because your presence could always get better, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh huh.
2: So. That's kind of how the talents break out for this particular spec, but like we do let's let's move beyond the pure specialization, Phil, and let's talk about cross specking into other options that are good for either either thematic or mechanical synergies
3: because no one stays in one career spec no, no one stays in one career spec <laughs> <laughs> not for long anyway,
2: no, not for long, no,
3: so naturally the one thing we want to compare this spec to is the other specs within the smuggler career true uh, they're the cheapest to move into so there is there any strong synergy what is odd is that the charmer is a bit of an odd man out for the smuggler there's nothing super strong to pair it up with with the other specs but l- let's make some notice let's make some notable notes uh, the pilot piloting and charming aren't exactly hand in hand Nope. But it is worth noting that the pilot has the 5 XP Let's Ride, followed by a 10 XP Rapid Recovery. And being able to jump into a cockpit or onto a mount when your charm fails is handy. And the strain recovery from Rapid Recovery will do nothing but help your strain-dependent charmer abilities. Uh, now moving on to the Scoundrel, this is probably one of the bigger um, of, of all the specs in Scoundrel. This is probably one that is towards the top of the list, if not the top one to pair off with. Uh, there's some strong early synergies here, specifically with a 5 XP rank in Rapid Reaction and multiple ranks in Black Market Contacts, Since the charmer is likely to be the party face and purchaser, this will help. Uh, the extra ranks of Black Market Contract are buried beneath some fairly useless talents for the charmer, though. But the first rank is only 5 XP, and if you want to also be the consummate liar, in addition to be the consummate charmer, then this would do far worse than crossbacking. Then you could do far worse than crossbacking into Scoundrel with its three. St- Stupid cheap ranks of convincing demeanor. Truth, truth. Um, moving on to the other, the, the final one from the core book, the thief. Strangely, uh, as much as I said the scoundrel had a high, uh, had a high synergy, the thief probably has the most to offer the charmer as a synergy build, at least early on. And depending on the type of charmer you want to make, uh, street smarts, black market contacts, and indistinguishable are all five XP in this tree, and all heavily useful for the charmer. A second rank of black market contacts is only ten, right below street smarts. Right after that, you can move into dodge, great for a charmer who can't pull off don't sh- who can't pull off don't shoot, and then two ranks of grit for your strain dependent abilities. Mm. Let's jump back to Fly Casual. Yeah, because we have we have two
2: other specs like s- smuggler specs in the very Splat book that we're taking our spec from. So
3: what about those? Uh, well, we got the gambler, also from Fly Casual. And the gambler is a really solid spec in its own right, for charmer synergy, cheap early ranks in grit and convincing demeanor. Again, if you want to double down with deceit, those are great. But second chances is a solid talent for any spec.
2: And I know we're going to talk about gamblers someday, and I know we're going to break into how awesome this talent is, oh, man. God. But but correct me if I'm wrong. Depending on the ranks you have in second chances, every rank you have, you can pick a number of positive dice. And re-roll them. I think. Yep. I think. Any time you make a roll,
3: once per encounter. Oh, once per enc- of positive dice equal to ranks and second chances, and re-roll them.
2: Oh, once per encounter. Oh, <laughs> I, I really? Come on now. Oh, that's <laughs> that's stupid. Amazing.
3: Yes, okay. and there's three talents in that tree. So, oh god, Ugh, comedy. Um, but then there's the gunslinger. Yeah. Also from Fly Casual. Great from a thematic perspective, but less so from a mechanical one. Still, a cross-spec here is cheap, and you now have access to combat skills and combat-focused talents, shoring up a deficiency in your charmer. But if you go gunslinger, then you probably do not want to take the charmer too far, because it kind of makes don't shoot pointless.
2: Yeah, pretty much.
3: But, you know, if if you go into, if you start as a charmer, and you get some of the other, you you build a more quote-unquote combat spec, um, and even, you know, Get some of the, the the social spec too, but you just want some ab- additional cheap ability to use guns and use guns well. Um, as long as you don't want to take, don't shoot. Gunslinger is not a bad choice. Yeah, yeah this is true.
2: I think there's some better ones.
3: <laughs> I think you're right too. Why don't we talk about those? Well,
2: okay. So let's since let's stay in line. Let's talk about the Edge of the Empire Core Rulebook careers. Let's leave the smuggler behind.
3: Sounds and, good.
2: And and talk about some solid. Sc- Cross spec choices there. Let me let me hit up the first two. Go for it. Um, let's talk about bounty hunter first because it's kind of where we left off with gunslinger. The bottom line is there's very little synergy here for bounty hunter. I mean, like the gunslinger, you can make some really good thematic choices, and you can use the bounty hunter's tracking and combative specializations to really round out your deficiencies, kind of the same way you would use gunslinger. Right. Um, but otherwise, very little to look at. The only exception here is possibly using gadgeteer to grab coercion on your skill list. Um, and then a rank in intimidating, uh, which kind of makes you the ultimate social character at that point because because coercion is the only social skill the charmer doesn't have access to um, on his own. sure. um, so at that point with with you know with coercion on your list and a rank in uh, uh, <clears throat> um a, uh, a rank in uh, oh God, I just said it uh, intimidating. um you know you, you're you're at that point a passable coercer um if you have got the right uh, the right characteristic, spe- you know breakout for it, but I don't know if that's worth a 30 XP drop <laughs> just to get to, you know, the gadget here.
3: I don't know. What would be worth a 30 XP drop?
2: The colonist. <laughs>
3: right.
2: Um, now we're talking. So, okay. First of all, just leave the scholar on the table. It doesn't give you much. Okay. <laughs> but aside from that, we have two really solid choices here. Um, first of all, there's the doctor. Okay. Okay. There's honestly not a whole lot of mechanical synergy here, but this is this is thematic synergy that is just undeniable. A charmer doctor, okay. <laughs> if you want to play a buffer that is the buffiest of buffer buffers, you play the charmer doctor. You bu- if you want
3: to play George Clooney,
2: <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. You you buff your allies with leadership, okay, and it, it, inspiring rhetoric can improve inspiring rhetoric, and then with STEM application, okay. <laughs> Um, Boom. honestly, you say George Clooney, my brain goes Dr. Drake Ramore. <laughs> um, mostly because my wife has been Netflixing friends nonstop as we go to sleep lately. Uh, um, so yeah, there is that, but honestly, where it really comes down to where you want to spend that 30 XP is the Politico. Um, yeah, m- major, major, major synergy here, possibly the best in the game. If you're, if you're going to look for the best thing you can cross spec into from a purely mechanical perspective, this is it. Um, you can live on the left side of the Politico tree. Sure. I mean, everything, just the entire left side, um, uh, even more ranks and kill with kindness, possibly bring you up to four ranks and kill with kindness and all of the inspiring rhetorics. Now, now here's the thing. <laughs> You can get Inspiring Rhetoric and Improved Inspiring Rhetoric so cheaply in the Charmer that when you then cross spec into Politico, you get to skip past those talents in the tree that will save you 25 XP on your your way to Supreme Inspiring Rhetoric, which isn't even on the Charmer tree, but is on the Politico tree, okay?
1: Efficiency!
2: Efficiency! This is what we're talking about. Efficiency in XP, all right? Um, aside from that, more ranks and grit, steely nerves. It, it's just, it's just a phenomenal choice. Uh, possibly the best choice out there if you're going to do a cross spec um, from the charmer is into the Politico. Nice. Okay, man. Well, that was that was the bounty hunter and the colonist. What else?
3: Let's keep going in the same book, same order. Explorer. We had a couple strong possibilities here. Um, the Scout and the Fringer offer more ranks of Grit and Rapid Recovery to help your strain-dependent charmer abilities, but the Fringer specifically also offers really cheap ranks in Street Smarts, two of them at only 5 XP each, which can really help any party face. True, true. Uh, but the trader, is where it, the trader is where it's at, though. With another cheap rank in Smooth Talker and a second later on, Wheel and Deal, more Grit, Know Somebody... Just great choices for a charming face character all around. Good mechanical synergy, good thematic synergy. Right. And moving on, we've got you know the hired gun. Uh, much like we said with the gunslinger and the bounty hunter specs, they're great if you want to shore up your lack of combat issues. But if you do, you'll need to limit how far you go in the charmer. And finally, just to make uh, just to round it out and finish this off, we have the technician. Um, can I yeah. wait? Wait.
2: Can, can I? Can I do? Can I do a? Can I do a god sound fart?
3: Go for it. It's like an echoey bathroom. Yeah, like you're all alone. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, in case you haven't figured it out by the uh, the flatulence uh, that was just coming over the airwaves, um, this is the least attractive career for the charmer. Period. Yeah, they might be able to show up a lack of technical capability, but why? <laughs> Aside from a couple standalone ranks in Grit, this is a poor career coupling all around. It is not in your wheelhouse. It is not, you know, a, a charming mechanic, a charming slicer. <laughs> uh, there are better ways to build it. Yes. There are better ways to build it.
2: Yes, yes, there are. Um, <clears throat>
3: what about honorable mentions?
2: Uh honorable mentions, really quick. Uh, you know, we, we like to try and stay in, in the, the book line if we can, because obviously if you have the Splat book, you most likely have the core book. Um but really quick, uh just a couple things in Age of Rebellion, core rule book that are worth noting, the commander um uh, career. Thematically there's some really good synergy here with the charming officer type. And actually if you had um if he would been on the show, you would have seen Dave's build was actually a, a uh a, I believe a squadron leader um Ooh. charmer combo. Um, uh, he made, uh, uh, what's his name? Captain Williams, uh, Tom Hanks from save it private, saving private Ryan. Oh, okay. Um, so, I mean, so basically, you know, mechanically, if you're building a charmer who relies heavily on that inspiring rhetoric early on, you know, the, yeah. the with the sharp tongue we talked about earlier archetype, there are some right. really good options here. And that's kind of where Dave went with his build was, you know, cause the Commodore gives you rank in command and commanding presence, which just make your leadership checks easier. And the squadron leader specifically offers more grit, ranks in command, field commander, and improved field commander, which give you even more to do with your good leadership pool. So at that point, you're an amazing leadership checkmaker, and you're an amazing charm checkmaker. So, very cool. Um,
3: Yeah. I don't remember if this book was out when we did our Commodore build-off. But I think the charmer would have been the perfect match for the, the character that I built, the the lead through example inspiring type. I, because I, yeah. it would have been so cheap to jump over and get the uh the the inspiring rhetoric and improved inspiring rhetoric.
2: Yeah, the book the book was not out yet. And yeah. um that would have been good one, good 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 one. Um, and lastly, at Age of Rebellion, you got the diplomat. I mean, it's it's much like much like the colonists. There's some good choices here. The ambassador and the quartermaster open up really the same real benefits and synergies as the politico and the trader, respectively. There you go. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's that's what I got, man. Any others you can think of from an honorable mention standpoint?
3: Nothing leaps out, but just as a note for the future, the next time we do this will probably be at least two episodes away, if not three, and we will definitely have Force and Destiny by then. This honorable mention list is only going to get longer, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, it's, it's going to yeah. I, I, there, there are definitely some some specs in there, like the the um. Oh God, what was it? The Advocate, I think it is. No, the, uh,
2: the are you talking about in
3: in so, Force and Destiny? Yeah,
2: I'm trying to remember. I don't, Can I don't have it in name? front of me. Oh well. No, for um, we. One of those A ones. We may, This is getting so insane. We may have to start making the call that we're going to keep it in 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 line. You know what I mean?
3: Or or just say you know, like honorable mentions outside of book. Pick one.
2: Pick one, and two we, tops. We, two tops. We both get to pick one. Yeah,
3: that might just be the the thing. The thing we do. Makes so sense. We'll... because the, because it, they're honorable mentions. They're they're combos that you really need to to consider because they could be devastating.
2: Yes, they could. But Captain Miller. Thank you, Joshua, in chat, Captain John H. Miller, Captain Williams, Captain Miller. Um, So very good. So okay, 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 now we get to the fun part. Um, The build-off. <laughs> uh, so the GMs, as we like to do, will take our own advice to task and create a build, a charmer build. We'll lay it out for you, how it works and kind of the XP it took to get there. And then after you're done listening to this podcast or the meet, if you just want to pause, you can head to the d20radio.com slash forums site and find the, the, the boards for Order 66 podcast. And you will find a thread devoted to episode 57 with a poll. And you can vote on who you're. Favorite build is Phil destroyed us last uh, build off, <laughs> um, and I'm gonna see if I can't outdo him this time
3: around. We'll see, we'll see. And that's what I love about this. I love about this because when I when I when I don't when I lose, I'm like, oh, I gotta do better next time. I need to bring something bigger to the table. The, and you guys definitely pair up and uh, on your own and and
2: well, we and, work together, so we chat about this over lunch. Like, what are you making <laughs> for the build off? I'm making Bran Stark. That's awesome. I want to. I think I'm gonna make a uh, yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's
3: yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. It, that's it's, why I yeah. love these. And thank you, everyone who does go and and vote and gives your feedback, because it just pushes us to do better next time.
2: It really does. It really does. I. It's uh, it's one of the more enjoyable things. I, I I enjoy getting out of the forums and and these. Well, isn't that special
3: shows particularly. And and we we were kind of thinking along similar lines, or at least a similar era when it came to our uh, our build off today. I think our two guys will hang out. Should hang out a lot. I,
2: I think they may. So I have a I have an I have an audio intro for your build. Are you uh, are you ready for this? Uh, please. All right. Here we go. Out of the night, when the full moon is bright.
1: The horseman known as sorrow. This boy renegade carves a sea with his blade. A sea that stands for sorrow.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so you all you all have probably guessed at Phil's build by this point.
3: Uh yes, my build is a the uh, the the nobleman named Dom Delvaga, <laughs> A.K.A. the Strat. <laughs> and if you go on Wikipedia and you look up the Strat, it's this kind of mousy, felinoid black creature from some far flung planet. I had to dig through the monster list on Wikipedia for a long time to find that name.
2: They're so saying it's it's Elzoro the Fox.
3: Yes, although th- because this character was named years ago before there were Star Wars Rebels, and even still, I don't know if the Loft cat is you know anywhere near as, as as intimidating as the strat would be i
2: like i like the strat as well it's pretty good you know you know did, did, okay i don't want to i don't want to step on it did you get into equipment in your build at all I did. Okay, 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 okay. (laughs) There's
3: a reason reason my character put a plus 10 obligation for uh, plus 2,500 credits. Okay,
2: well, I'm going to let you get into it. Tell me me about Dom Delvaga.
3: Ah, yes, Dom Delvaga, a dashing and daring do-gooder who dabbles at being a debutante, but is determined to disarm, dissuade, and dispatch dastardly dirtbags and defilers across the galaxy. You weren't
2: kidding with the Ds,
3: were you? I was not. (laughs) All right, so Delvaga starts as a human because I couldn't find a good race that had good presence without a brawn hit. Except for a qualish. And honestly, that could be hilarious. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't like you. (laughs) (laughs) But he's a hero of the people! (laughs) I don't like you either. Uh, His obligation is duty-bound. The strat is a hero of the people who has vowed to help the downtrodden and oppressed wherever he goes. Uh, He's taking a plus-ten obligation hit because he needs the credits. So he's getting 2,500 credits for something you'll see later on. Um, I'm spending 90 XP and buying up presence, brawn, and cunning. I got a bit of a theme here, so I want to kind of stick with it. And honestly, I need his XP elsewhere. Uh, Starts with a smuggler. Career skills are coordination, deception, skullduggery, and vigilance. Uh, charm spec, uh skills are charm and cool. And for his human skills, I took melee and survival. And that's another reason to take a human, because you get the melee skill, which is important for this build. And and, that, and
2: survival makes sense for the build, too. And uh, you didn't mention it. So the bumping up, uh, although it probably self evident, bumping up brawn, presence, and, and cunning to three, that's 90 XP out of your. That is 90 build. XP, yes.
3: Okay. okay. Uh, from Charmer. I'm buying grit, plausible deniability, and kill with kindness for twenty more XP. Okay. Um, I actually think I may have shortchanged myself ten XP in this build. Oh no, no, I didn't, because I I bought up obligation to get twenty five hundred credits. That's right. Yeah, you did. Uh, equipment, vibro rapier is a must, <laughs> <laughs> and armored clothing uh, as well. Also bought him an all temperature cloak and a grappling hook with synth rope. That rounds out his gear. Um, he, got, he has some credits left over, but not for anything that really highlights this build. So He's got all of his various Batman toys that he needs, his Vibro Rapier, which is a must, and Armored Clothing, which is pretty good for a starting character to have.
1: But does he have a mask?
3: Oh, well, of course he does. <laughs> it's part of the Armored Clothing. Uh, advancement. Staying in Charmer, we buy up Charm to two. Uh, we get Congenial, Disarming Smile, Smooth Talker. Kill with kindness, and another rank of disarming smile for 55 XP. Good solid build, able to smile his way and lower the defenses of his opponents, who will probably have a defense of two, uh, if they have good, if they have similarly armored clothing with uh, the de- a weapon with a defensive of one, because defense one weapons add to your armor, to, to your defense. Right, right. Um, but we need him to fight better. So we spend 30 XP and cross-spec over to Marauder. Oh, my. We buy melee up to 2 and survival up to 2, and we make him tougher. Two ranks of Toughened, Frenzied Attack, Feral Strength, Heroic Fortitude, Knockdown, and another rank of Feral Strength. That's going to be 105, so we're going to be in Marauder for a little while. But by the time we're out of there, we have this dashing hero who now can hold his own in a melee fight. Let's hop back over to Charmer. Buying up leadership ranks one and two, inspiring rhetoric and improved inspiring rhetoric, just kidding. Don't shoot for those situations where he gets caught, and dedication, either presence or brawn, whichever the strat tends to be leaning towards that at that at this time in his career. That's another hundred XP. So you're sitting at uh two hundred and
2: sixty earned XP at this point. Two
3: hundred and sixty earned XP at this point. Okay. And what we have here is we've got a nice hero's journey of a compassionate nobleman who is tired of the injustices inflicted on the poor by his fellow social elite and the empire. He takes up his sword and fights for the people as a dashing, inspiring hero. As he fights, he becomes more proficient in his combat ability, and eventually he uses his fame and notoriety to directly lead and inspire the downtrodden into actions against the noblemen and the empire they support. Now. This is actually, this build off is actually inspired by a PC from my last campaign. The theme here is obviously Space Zorro. That version of the strat was a force sensitive, but as you can see here, you can get by without force powers and be just as fun to play. Dude, that's a great build. I had a lot of fun. The, 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 this, this character <clears throat> seems like a blast.
2: I, w- I want to play him. That That's just, dude, I'm,
3: I, God, I. <laughs> but, but I want to play your character too. <laughs> i read through this and i'm like this is brilliant did did you you happen to find an intro for your character too
2: i did it's not musical but i'll play it and see if y'all can't figure out who my character is get
3: him up wretched
1: slugs don't any of you have the
3: guts
4: to
1: play for blood i'm your huckleberry
4: that's
1: just my game all right longer you go to hell I'll put you out of
3: your misery. Say wham. <laughs> I'm your huckleberry.
2: My favorite scene from Tombstone.
3: <laughs> my favorite line from Tombstone. <laughs> I'm your huckleberry. <laughs>
2: so my charmer build is Zan Zenri Zaladay, or Doc to his friends. Nice. Um, the real-life Doc Holiday was my inspiration for this build, and in keeping with the real Edge of the Empire, a.k.a. Wild West Frontier, um, scoundrel, I wanted basically a cool charmer who was known for his wit and his clever smile, uh, but who worked as a lawman. Um, and strangely, this actually led me to a Charmer Marshall build. Uh, Marshall from the Colonist sourcebook. Um, I w- like this. I- you know, it's kind of odd because it's it's like we talk about colonists. It's like, oh, Politico! 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 Or you talk about doing a Marshall-esque character, you know, think like you did. Okay, Marauder. Okay, but um, you know, or some other co- combative focus. But I went with Marshall for a few reasons.
3: Sure.
2: Which I'll come to. Um, <clears throat> so Doc Zoliday is a former – th- oh, by the way, that's with an X, of course, right? Of course. Um, Doc Zoliday is, is a former dentist from Feline um, <laughs> who contracted a degenerative lung condition brought on by the polluted air of his industrialized world. And to treat this condition, he began taking heavy doses of spice. Um, this actually worked at abating the pain for a while, but eventually stopped being effective. And he he knew he had to head to the outer rim for fresher air, and so he did so. But became an unwitting lawman in the process. So you know, very much inspired by the story of Doc Holliday and his rather extreme laudanum slash opium addiction um, to deal with tuber- with his tuberculosis. Sure. Um, so what makes this build so unusual and why I like it is that it never goes beyond third tier talents ever. And it reaches badassery, complete badassery, after only a few sessions worth of XP. I really took that whole XP efficiency concept of the Charmer and ran it into the ground. This is possibly the most efficient build I've ever done to make a complete badass. Nice. It was very tempting to start off Doc as a human, uh, simply for flavor. But the feline just worked far too well for the build design. (laughs) Nice. Okay, as we'll see. Um, Because beguiling pheromones were just crucial to this build. Okay. Okay. Um, so now, well, 90 starting XP for a Faleen sucks. He does get a starting three in presence and that makes up for it as does the free rank he gets in charm. Um, the natural one in brawn is very fitting for a sickly character to me. And because ah. he, all right. And because he's a pistolier, he's less concerned about the brawn. Feel me?
3: See, and I looked at Faleen, I <clears> wanted <throat> to make a Faleen, but I'm like,
2: ah, oh, I can't deal with the one. Well, oh, you can't. Well, you're a melee character, right? You're right. Okay, you It makes sense. Um. <clears throat> so, for for him, it was very fitting for his sickness for me, the fact that he's got that degenerative condition.
3: Oh, dude, that's perfect. Uh,
2: so, for character creation, Doc's holiday starts with 90 XP. Now, off the bat, as an Edge of the Empire character, he's going to take max obligation to get an extra 10 XP. His spice usage has led, as you can imagine, to a rather nasty addiction, which is his obligation. Again, very much inspired by the real Doc Holiday's struggles with Laudanum. Mm. Um, that's going to bring him up to 100 XP starting. Uh, mm-hmm. natural threes and presence. He's going to buy it up to four, bringing his XP remainder down to 60.
1: Good.
2: So despite his lawman pistolering ways, I am not going to buy up agility. I told you guys before when we were going through this, that, you know, you can get by with a single stat, you know, a single, a single characteristic above average in presence. And I'm going to show you how we can do that. Um, I'm going to make up for that two agility with ranks in range light. Okay. Um, and other more importantly, cool charm based abilities that are going to help him out. Um, plus, I really think, again, leaning on that illness and addiction angle, they've definitely kept him to an average agility, right? Mm. So now we get into his specialization. So Doc starts as a charmer, still in character creation, mind you, um, with 60 XP. Uh, starts as a charmer. He's going to pick up free scoundrel career skill ranks in Vigilance, Perception, Knowledge Underworld, and Streetwise. And remember, he has a free rank in charm just for being a Feline. Now, for his charmer skills, he's going to grab free ranks in charm, bring it up to two now, and Cool. Nice. Okay. Cool, very fitting for a gunfighter. And also, he's now got ranks in both initiative skills. Um, next, he's going to spend 10 XP to grab ranks and kill with kindness and grit, bringing him down to 50. Okay. Uh, while still in beginning character creation, Doc is going to immediately plop down 30 XP and move to the colonist martial specialization. This is going to add three more knowledge skills, range light,
3: and coercion to his skill list. Um, and he's- because you're able to do that at character creation... It makes saving up for it not as much of a hit. Exactly.
2: So even then, he's still got 20 XP to spend, and I've already cross-spected this point. (laughs) All right. I'm going to spend that last 20 XP on two ranks in Range Light, which I can now because it's a career skill for me. That's right. Okay. Uh, For only 15 XP, and one rank in Grit, um, again, this time from the Marshal, for 5 XP. Now, I really want to, and as has two ranks in grid at this point, I really want to get his strain threshold up here. It is essential to power his beguiling pheromones and later on congenial, okay? Or, or not congenial, disarming smile, excuse me. So, at the, end of, at the end of character creation, Doxality is a Feline with a two yellow, two green pool and charm, with the ability to ignore a setback die, and the ability to spend a couple strain and and, you know, make that check even better with his beguiling pheromones. He's got a solid two yellow pool in pistols. Now, that's not super impressive, but it ain't too shabby, okay? No. Um, I would take two yellow over a yellow and two green, quite frankly. Um, <clears throat> he's got yellow dice in both initiative skills, knowledge underworld, Street Wise, and perception, all good for a lawman and a charmer. So, as Doc progresses with his earned XP, he'll spend his first 40 XP, and I'm actually breaking this out specifically for a reason, he'll spend his first 40 XP to... Grab a rank in Congenial for 10, and then Disarming Smile for 15 in the Charmer. Congenial also relies on strain, and he will likely use his Beguiling Pheromones in conjunction with Disarming Smile to strip away his foe's defenses. Um, All the more reason for those ranks and Grit. Nice. His next 15 XP will be spent on Works Like a Charm uh for 15 xp in charmer now once mm. once per session he can when he really needs to make that shot maybe at high noon <laughs> okay <laughs> call upon his presence for range light bringing that pool up to a boss two yellow two green okay uh with the and this is still within 40 earned xp with the ability to ignore defense as well beforehand by using disarming smile plus his pheromones if he's within range okay so <sighs> Doc sizes up his foe for the first round with Disarming Smile and his Beguiling Pheromones, strips away their defenses, and then shoots with his massive pool.
3: I'm your Huckleberry. I'm your Huckleberry.
2: At only 40 earned XP, which is roughly two long sessions for a group like mine, or three to four short sessions for a regular group, that is a very powerful character. Uh Uh-huh. So, with his next 40 XP... Um, he'll grab a third rank in both uh, – in range light uh, for, mm-hmm. for 15. Um, and then he'll grab uh, Good Cop for 10 in Marshall. Um, his likely, at this point, easily generated advantage in charm checks will power Good Cop to aid his allies on their social checks. Kind of <laughs> as Doc advances, you know, with the Earth boys, he learns to banter with his lawmen pals and do interrogation really well. Um, then a rank in Smooth Talker, <clears throat> selecting charm, of course, uh, for 5 XP in the charmer tree. Now, he is a formidable gunman on most days uh, with a natural two yellow, two yellow, one green pool, just naturally. But, yep. but when he pulls out that whole high noon shootout shtick with works like a charm once per session, that pool jumps to three yellow and one green Um, with removed defenses if he takes a round to use Disarming Smile with his pheromones first, making it even easier. All this is after only four to six sessions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, after that, uh, I mean... <clears throat> I could end the build there, but after that, Doc will spend earned XP as it comes. About 80 more XP total. Um, He'll grab another rank and kill with kindness and Charmer for 10. A third rank in Charm for 15. Another rank in Grit for 15 in Marshall. uh, Pump 20 XP into Vigilance uh, for a total of three ranks. Mm -hmm. Uh, So now he can draw uh, really well as his legend grows. And then finally, Unrelenting Skeptic uh, in Marshall for 20. Uh, which means with his three ranks and Vigilance, no one can ever lie to Zach Zoliday. It's important <laughs> to get that Vigilance up before you take Unrelenting Skeptic, because you kind of relies on those ranks and Vigilance.
3: Okay? Right.
2: Um, and this is where, at 160 earned XP, roughly eight long sessions or 16 short sessions, this build reaches its zenith. Um, and it doesn't do so with any of the super high-tier talents, nothing beyond third tier. A charmer lawman who is really amazing with three yellow, one green charm, ignoring two setback dice with his pheromonal ability to make his charm pool four yellow by spending two strain, okay? Um, uh, who then uses his wit and his natural abilities to disarm his foes mentally and then punish them with blaster fire. He's master of good cop interrogation and nobody can lie to him. So, that's Doc Zoliday.
3: Dude, I now need to see a one-shot module like you know, shoot out at the KO garage <laughs> <laughs> with this character in a Wyatt herb style, and yeah. It,
2: <sighs> I'm I'm convinced though. I'm uh, that, that I think I think you're you're spot on. Like Doc Holiday and and Dom Delvaga, the Strat. Yeah, they totally they need to hang. They need to, they need to hang out and have some drinks together. So I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm your Huckleberry.
3: Like any cl- like any classic uh, mashup, they'll, they'll they'll come together. They'll work on a mission. They'll they'll tip their hats at the end of the adventure and ride off into opposite sunsets. And because it's a binary star system, they can do that.
2: Totally, <laughs> totally. Okay, when we actually do a show on the Marshall, yes, we need to round out the trio. I uh, yes, we do. And somebody needs to make the Lone Ranger. <laughs> it needs to happen.
3: Oh, it totally does. It totally does. It's the only one we're missing, really.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff, good stuff. Well, guys, I hope this uh, discussion of the Charmer has helped you out. I hope you can see that this really, this really, this spec is not a one-trick pony. Even if you stay entirely in the Charmer, you're, yeah, you're a face character, and that's your spiel, but you are still highly diverse, and one of the better buffers out there in terms of, even in combat, you know what I mean? Um, But with some clever uh, cross-specking, you can really make a memorable build, so... Um, Thanks to everyone who made the suggestion. If you guys have suggestions for Will Isn't That Special, you can head to the d20radio.com slash forums site where you can register and head to the Order 66 podcast boards. You will find a dedicated thread specifically for show topic suggestions and you will find there many suggestions. And if you would like us to cover a particular specialization in Will Isn't That Special, we will do so. Uh, So there is that. Mm. So now... We return to the ramshackle machine shop of Wacky for yet another visit with our and your favorite purveyor of technical wizardry and modifications, the Moderator. And we will see you guys on the other side in six minutes.
1: Greetings and welcome to the workshop. We're glad you could make it. There is much to talk about, from gizmos to gears. Giz, we can help you with all of your mods, all thanks to the Moderator.
4: Greetings, and welcome back to the workshop. Today, we're going to boot up old 2B3 and get him back to work. Lazy bot. I've reinstalled his software, and he should... be fine. Hmm. Uh, I hate to do it, but we're going to need to go to a specialist for this sort of thing. Come on, help me put him in the Y-Wing. You know what? I don't want to listen that all the way to the robot repair shop. Let's put him in the droid socket. Nah, still too loud. Let's put him upside down. There we go. Okay, now I'll just back out of here and we'll be off. Wait, what? Oh, don't worry. I don't have to keep my hands at uh, 10 and 12. I have an autopilot system installed. What? Oh, it's just basically a droid brain dedicated to find the ship here so I can do other things. The autopilot droid brain is manufactured by Gokor, a company known for making repulsor lift vehicles and various service droids through their subsidiary, Utilitech. If you follow a droid liberation philosophy, you might not like them for what went on in their manufacturing plant with all the minion-level droid intelligence workers. But that's a story for another day. Remember back when I was talking about dropping a droid brain into a datapad? That's basically what GoCorp did. An autopilot droid brain is dedicated droid mind for piloting planetary or spacefaring ships. Just installed, it's as nimble as your average human flying one of these. But if you're like me, and why wouldn't you want to be like me? I'm amazing! It'll trick out its skill level even more so. This can make it highly skilled with only one real flaw. What makes it such a great attachment is actually its downside. While the droid brain is highly skilled, it has no real agility of its own. So you're not going to use this to triumph over other pilots by its lonesome, but if it's assisting to fly... Even if you're unskilled yourself, it's a beauty to have. Take me for example. I have no real piloting skills. Wait, wait. Don't panic. Don't panic. Like I said, I have a droid brain flying. Okay? We good? Good. Like I said, I have no real piloting skills. But my agility, even though it's only average, when coupled with the autopilot droid brain, makes me something to marvel. This attachment also puts absolutely no demand on your system so you're not wasting hard points with it. Best thing, if you program it with your Comlink, you can have the ship fly to you to pick up. Never get stranded on a planet again. I've known people to put it in small speeders just for that reason. Call up your stolen ride and it comes right back to you. Have an ambush waiting and it's hilarious. And oh I think they want us to pull over. Don't worry, I-, I can talk myself out of it. Most any ticket. I mean, it's probably because we have droid legs sticking out of the droid socket. But I doubt uh, he'll mind. After all, it's just a droid. Hello, officer. How can I help you? i Uh, d- just go to Game, terms. game terms. The Autopilot Droid Brain can be found on page 62 of the Fly Casual Sourcebook. It is manufactured by Utilitech, a subsidiary of GoCorp, which has political strife due to the mistreatment of droids. Some individuals, should they know about the owners of an Autopilot Droid Brain, may be taken back. Consider adding the setback dice to social situations with a pro-droid personality. The autopilot droid brain can be used equally well for either pilot planetary or pilot space. James may want to rule that such a droid brain can only do one or the other, but it shouldn't be looked at as being imbalanced to do both, even with upgraded mods. The attachment can only roll its skill when making piloting actions. It has no agility of its own. But when used with the assisted skill checks on page 25 of Edge of the Empire or page 33 of Age of Rebellion, the pilot can work in tandem with the autopilot droid brain to use the character's agility with the system's skill. This allows for a much more nimble spacefaring from an unskilled individual. The mod doesn't require any hardpoints, making it practical for any vehicle no matter how small a silhouette. The attachment can be linked to a comm link for remote pickup, allowing the character to send a signal to the vehicle and have it pilot itself to the individual. Such systems may be hacked to steal an enemy ship without ever having to be there. No! No, I don't know anyone named Obi-Wan. The mortician's name was Ben. Yes, Ben does sound like a made-up name, but that's what the man says. Yeah, okay. My license. I'll, I'll just get it. Here. Psst. Do what you did last time, okay? Just, just turn it on. Just turn it on. Oh, not oh, a nice way to go. Um, I, I'm going to leave you here. Get rid of the officer's ride and I'll meet you at the repair shop. Thanks. Uh, I owe you one.
2: I'm so pleased that we have droid brains now, like autopilot droid brains in flight casual yeah. and i you know until I listened to that, I had no idea that both it and the Astrogation droid brain were zero hard points
3: yeah that that's hasn't been seen
2: yet dude that's i mean you could install them both on like anything right that's tremendous that's brilliant that's handy, well done, wacky, thank you. <clears throat> All right, man. Well, do we want to get into some questions?
3: Uh, yes, because we're starting to get a backlog. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. After after last, yes, we have a massive backlog. And uh, we got some in voicemail even that we, we, we can't get to yet because we just have only so much we can do in one show. Um, and we, there's others we have to attack first. And why do we attack those particular questions first? Oh, yeah, because they were made by people that are at a certain level of contributor backer on D20 Radio's Patreon. Mmm! Yes. If you guys, uh, you know, uh, we we didn't mention this during announcements, but of course, uh, as as many of our listeners know, we have a Patreon for the D20 Radio Network and the Order 66 Podcast. If you like what you're hearing and you want to support the cast and the network and the other fine shows that are on it, you can head to patreon.com slash d20radio where you can, for literally just a couple dollars a month, show your support. Um, for the network um, and the show, and uh, we really do appreciate it. It also keeps the lights running on the blog and gets our writers paid at the contribution level we're at at this point, which is absolutely huge. Um, our writers do get paid for their work on the blog. But there is a contribution level that you can make. It's a little more expensive, not much, where you can have question priority in Messages from the Edge. Mm-hmm. We haven't really pimped that out much. We've been kind of letting it sit and simmer and seeing what people take up to that. So so we're there. But let's uh, let's get into it now.
0: He doesn't seem to take a hint, this guy.
3: I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message.
0: Messages from the Edge.
1: Boy, am I glad to hear your voice. I think it would be wise if you took advantage of my knowledge in this instance.
2: Oh, welcome to Messages from the Edge, our regular segment where we take the time to answer your questions about gaming, about mechanics, about everything. Phil, how can people get us these questions?
3: By heading over to our forums and posting up their questions on the Edge of the Empire's uh, Messages from the Edge thread. Um, Head to www.d20radio.com slash forums, register, and head to the Order 66 podcast boards where you will find the aforementioned Messages from the Edge thread. Uh, You could also email your questions to us at gmchris at d20radio.com GM Dave at d20radio.com, and GM Phil at d20radio.com. Oh, yeah. You can also, if you're brave enough, like several people have been, leave us our question via the voicemail on the D20 Radio hotline at 262-D20-RADIO. That's 262-320-7234.
2: Oh, yes. And we have our first call-in question from the hotline. Um, and it's, it's kind of an interesting one, but I will play it.
0: Hey guys, it's GM Topher in Virginia. Uh, got a quick and should be easy question. I hear you refer to the source books as splat books frequently.
3: What is that? Is, is that some holdover from Saga edition? Is that what they were called then? Because I, I can't figure out, uh, what, why are you calling them that?
1: Thanks. You know, I, I
3: I remember being as curious as he was, and I think I looked it up online somewhere. Either that, or someone asked it in a thread. And didn't it come from like White Wolf or something? So here's the deal.
2: <laughs> okay, first of all, this is a good question, Topher, and I'm so we use that term in this episode. You realize? Um, yes, we did actually. And most gamers know what it means; they just don't understand why that it means that. Or at least know what it um, references. What it references, yeah, and so uh, that's that's what I mean. We you know what the term references, but and so Topher, I apologize for leaving you in the dark. Um, I did some research on this. I actually, your question kind of cut a nerve for me, and I was like, well, damn it, where does that word come from? And so I found some wiki articles on it, but that's not good enough. So I had to dig into the source material and actually find reputable sources <laughs> that said, oh yeah, this is where it comes from. And basically, for those who don't know what we're talking about, a splat book. Is, is basically Topher, it's an industry term at this point for a non core rule book. Um, usually a book devoted to a very specific facet of the game, like a particular class or species or an, an era or a location, right? So, in the context of FFG system, when we talk about a splat book, we're talking about anything that's not one of the three core rule books.
3: Okay. Although, to be fair, I really haven't heard like the location books referred to as splat books. Usually, when someone says splat books, they're only talking about career books.
2: Usually, yeah. Usually. Usually. Mm. Usually. Um, Now, in terms of where the term actually comes from, as I said, I did a bit of research and here's what I found out. So, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons uh, back in the day was the first to really start publishing en masse these kinds of supplement slash specific focus books. Um, boy, howdy, did they. Boy, howdy, did they. It was complete everything, right? Com- yeah. The complete rogue, the complete paladin, the complete, you know, they just, ba 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 But the term splat book uh, wasn't popularly uh, applied to those releases, at least not right away. The term splat book actually first, Phil, you're right, started getting popular use back in the early 90s for White Wolf's World of Darkness players. So White Wolf started publishing tons of books that were titled using similar patterns, um, you know, clan book, tribe book, you know, whatever it was. You yeah, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, D&D then did the same thing, of course, as we said, with the complete, you know, blank, the, the, complete, complete, elf. the complete elf, the complete, yeah, all that, right? So basically in World of Darkness news groups <laughs> – y- yes, news groups, this, yes. <laughs> wow. Okay, th- we're talking the early 90s here. <laughs>
3: Hang on, I gotta go get my Vax One Hundred, and so I can boot up my email. <laughs> yes,
2: thank you. Um, so, in in World of Darkness news groups, uh, people would refer to these kinds of books as aster. They would type it out asterisk books. The asterisk being the shortcut on uh, for a wildcard character for uh, a lot of computer languages. Um, and now, at, at, I've not heard it called this, but apparently another term for the asterisk is the splat. Um, kind of like another term for the hashtag symbol is the pound. Okay. Let's see that. So, hence, asterisk books became splat books. Um, From White Wolf, the term started being then used for TSR's D&D books as well. And since White Wolf and TSR kind of ruled 90% of the RPG gaming in the 90s, um, the term stuck as an industry level, and it remains today. So, there you go. That's what a splat book is, and that's where the term comes from. And now you know what we are talking about when we say splat book.
3: And now you know the rest of the story. Yes.
2: Oh, thank you, Paul. Um, all right. So good. There, there we answered your question there. Be happy. There we go. Be happy. All right. I got another calling question for you. Um, this all one right. from Jason Sunday.
0: Hey guys, this is Jason Sunday. Um, I was just wondering how would you build a Jason Bourne style character? Um, I've looked at a couple options. I was thinking maybe infiltrator, maybe, uh, um, maybe Bounty Hunter. I'm not sure, but, um, let me know. And, uh, I never
3: listen. Uh, because reasons. Thanks. Because reasons! Um, ah, uh, yes. The old, how do I make Jason Bourne, James Bond, Batman, Malcolm Reynolds, Reeb just Philbin or any other <laughs> prominent character question. Uh, we get these from time to time, don't we?
1: Yeah, and they're yeah, subject of
3: countless debates on forums across the interwebs. Uh, heck, because FFG hasn't statted out any of the named movie characters, these thre- these threads include a bevy of Star Wars characters too. Well, they've sp- actually they've statted out Lando, but even those have been referred to by the devs as only being partially complete.
2: This is true, and it wasn't even in a splat book or <laughs> core book. Right. It was in an adventure. Uh, but, I mean, you remember the grief, like, like Steve was saying, you know, the, the grief that, that the fans are given for statting out the crew of the Ghost, you know what I mean, on uh, yes. on the Rebel Sourcebook, because because everyone disagrees on how to do that. I mean, even in the Saga Edition days, Watsy didn't stat out the core characters.
3: They just didn't. Yep. They've got their rose-colored glasses on for their characters and how they think they should be statted. Precisely. So, I suppose the first place to, is, to start is by asking, what is it about Jason Bourne that appeals to you? Is it his skill set, his backstory, his infiltration ability, his masterful hand-to-hand combat ability? Now, admittedly, I've never read the original books, so I'm going totally off the movies here. But I think the appeal of Jason Bourne to today's audience is the self-reliance of the character that he has. Uh, It's him against Treadstone or Blackbriar or whatever government agency is trying to bring him to heel and or kill him. Yeah. Because of this, and because of his deft abilities we see Jason Bourne use, one is tempted to put together a 400 or 600 point God PC and call it a day. But you don't need to do that. You can make Jason Bourne as a starting level character. What? what, 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 what? Don't believe me? No. Listen up, then. Okay. Jason Bourne is a relative badass in the Bourne trilogy because he's facing off against minions. And the occasional rival in a real-world setting. Mm. The Born universe is one of normal, modern-day Earth with a secret Shadow War happening within it. The people who participate in the Shadow War are highly trained compared to your average person. He's not going up against an entire organization of people with a decade of high-intensity combat training. He's facing one or two of those in each film. More often than not, he's facing minion-level opponents in a large enough number to force him to run or be captured or killed through through sheer numbers and attrition. He knows just enough about computers and mechanics to bypass or jury-rig an escape. He's great at hand-to-hand combat and can use firearms, but he's not a pistol-sharpshooting master or an unparalleled sniper. Wait, so so what you're saying is,
2: when I watch the films and I see Jason Bourne take five cops hand-to-hand in, like, one scene, it's... Because they're all individual minions.
3: They're minions. Even as one minion group of five, I mean, th- that's that's certainly dangerous enough, but they're minions. Well, I mean, yeah, one
2: attack can take half of them out, and then another attack can take the other half out. And
3: because of the flow of rounds and narrative way that rounds work in Edge of the Empire, that's what happens. Hmm. So, much like our build-off, here's my take on Jason's born. Ooh. Start as a human. Although you can start anywhere else, but it's Jason Bourne, so we're going to go human. Take intelligence as your duty, and buy that down by 10 points for 10 more XP. Remember, he started as a government agent. Yeah. So what happens to him afterwards is hearsay. You know, it, it goes off. Right. You know, he can get obligation, lose duty, change duty later on. Buy brawn agility, cunning, and willpower up to three. That is your starting 120 XP, plus the bonus you get from duty. Jason is a tough, agile, crafty, and possesses a strong mental stamina. He's not exceptionally intelligent or very charismatic, not more so than your average person. Those are baseline. But Jason's big shining skill in the board trilogy is his hand-to-hand ability. To this end, I advise going into the spy career and taking Infiltrator. Hell yeah. Career skills are cool, deception, perception, and stealth. Spec skills are Melee and Skullduggery. Human bonus skills are Brawl and Ranged Light. And that's it. There's your Jason Bourne. You're a guy who starts with a pretty decent wound and strain threshold, a very good charismatic characteristic spread, and can keep his cool under pressure, bluffs his way past trouble or sneaks by it, crafts disguises, forged documents and traps, and has a healthy cross-section of combat skills. Now, for further advancement, you're probably going to want to look at Saboteur and the Commando specs. Both of those will aid Bourne greatly. Um, pick up Athletics and Survival somewhere along the way, too, as those are skills that Jason could really use out of the gate, but I couldn't fit in. But but that's it. That If you're looking at the raw appeal of Jason Bourne, that's where you start. But that's just my opinion. What do you think, Chris? Well, your build is clearly flawed. Um <laughs>
2: When uh, you know when 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 Ludenum wrote you know originally uh, you know the 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 first the, the born identity, uh, Jason clearly was 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 an exceptional master hacker at that point and 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 uh, I uh, yeah um, <laughs> I know dude that's a solid build. I mean it's it's a, it's a phenomenal infiltrator spy. I mean that's what that's 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 what he is. I mean most yeah. I think most people are not gonna like your answer because. All of it's predicated on the fact that he's this exceptional person in a world of individual minions. But the fact of the matter is, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it 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 is it is what it is. How do you make Jason Bourne in Star Wars, which is not a world filled with with uh, tons of exceptional minions?
3: Yeah, you're also talking about a character who needs to do it by himself.
2: Yeah, by himself at that point. Yeah, he's a six to eight hundred XP monster. I mean, that's what that that's 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 how you do that i mean how many years did he spend becoming trained you know what i mean yeah how many and, missions I, did he go on before he lost his memory
3: yeah at least 5 or 10 years worth
2: i mean so yeah in other words 600 xp there you go um there you go i mean that's i <clears throat> no I, I think i think you're spot on um it's you know i mean i've seen i've seen some Attempts to try and make born or bond. Some people even try to create their own like specializations for it. Yep, yep. But they've always like been very well broken. Um, mm. It's it's one. Of me, I mean, I haven't seen one yet that I'm that I haven't been able to be like, why would I not take that? Um, right, and that's the thing you need to do when you balance. Pretty much, got to look at it and go, okay, why wouldn't everybody take this tree? Yeah, what's bad about it? What do I not get? And if if there's nothing you'd not get, or what you'd not get is so minimal, it ain't balanced.
3: And to be fair, Infiltrator is honestly as far as I was looking through the best fit. I don't think there is a good spec right now for a for a James Bond Jason Bourne secret agent style character. Not what I'm I hoping it's cross-specking. You got to cross spec now. Hoping that if they do have something that fits it even better than Infiltrator, that it's going to come in the in the spy book. I hope so. Um, cuz I- it is missing it. It is missing the 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 secret agent style Character, well, but I think
2: the infiltrator is that you run, and I'll be, you know maybe they'll come out with it, and maybe they will. But you run the risk of you can't have a spec that's good at everything. And James Bond yeah. is good at everything. Jason True. Bourne is good at everything. So what you do is you cross spec. But that that yeah. there's there's no easy way to do that. It takes time. It takes experience. It does. So, um, good 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 stuff. Good stuff. Okay, next question. Um, we have a pair of questions, one back-to-back, both from the wonderful G.M. Ahooli, who is in chat. Hi! How Hi, Ahooli! Hi, Ian! Um, uh, Who I have just received word is going to do his darndest to make his way from the wilds of OZ to Gamer Nation Con in the spring. Oh my good God. We will do, We will treat you right. Just leave that weird Australian crap in Australia. You know, the, the, the stuff that will kill you. We don't like that stuff here.
3: Yeah, yeah, don't pack any snakes or large insects.
2: No, no. Um, so from, uh, from GM Hooley, we have this. We say, uh, hi, guys. When using the force power move, do you have to spend one point to activate the power and then additional points to increase the magnitude, like the number of targets, the strength, the size of the objects, and the range or distance away from the item move? For example, if a character wanted to move two speeders, which are silhouette, two apiece, Um, which were at medium range away from the character, would it cost seven points? Like, one for the base power, two for magnitude, two for strength, two for range. Thanks for your assistance and a great podcast, which has effectively taught me how to run this fantastic system. And I am a rebel, so I always
3: listen. (laughs) (laughs) And Huli, no drop bears.
2: I don't get the reference. What am I missing?
3: (laughs) This mythical creature that lives in in uh, in, uh, in in Aussie land. I think it's like there's like a savage koala or something. Oh, drop bears because it's up in a tree. It, like, let's go it lands and attacks you. Hence the name drop bears.
2: Ah, uh, it's the drop bears. No drop bears.
3: I okay. got. That's like the chupacabra up here.
2: Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh,
3: but back to the question. Ah, uh, yes, the move power, a staple of Force users. Star Wars over. Oh yeah, and uh, the one power that appears in every core rulebook for the system. The only one, actually. Um, Let's briefly talk about activating force powers, because I think we need to set a frame of reference here. Uh, The rules in the Force chapter state that once a player character assembles his available force points that he gets by rolling his force rating and force dice, he consults his force power and determines how he will spend those points. Most of a power's ability require one or more force points to activate. Unless specified otherwise, each ability may be activated multiple times. Now, MOVE has a lot of upgrades. You can buy upgrades for range, for the magnitude to affect the number of targets affected, for the strength to affect the silhouette of the objects affected. Uh, Each of these upgrades has a very similar wording stating that you spend a force point to increase the number of targets, silhouette, or range equal to the number of that particular upgrade purchased for magnitude, strength, and range upgrades respectively. The answer to your question is going to depend on how many times you've purchased those upgrades. If you have only ever purchased one magnitude, one strength, and one range upgrade for your move power, you would need five points for your above example.
2: Anyways, let me me see if I get this straight with what you're saying, okay? So, to affect the Silhouette 2 speeder, just on its own, you would need two points. Like, one to, to just activate the power, and then another to... Increase the magnitude, and because you've purchased two ranks of magnitude, you would affect up two extra ranks, right? Mm, no, because you've jumped around a little bit. Okay, okay. So I'm, I'm still confused, then, man. So clarify this for me,
1: okay? And I yeah, actually so, know how it works. Need- I just want to make. Mm-hmm. it All
2: right. Okay. <laughs> I got you. I got you. I'm up
3: with you. Your secret is safe with me. Okay. okay. Uh, to affect a silhouette two speeder, you need two points to affect the Silhouette 2 target. Um, then the, Okay, so I actually I missed one thing. You have to spend one Force Point to activate move. Right. Boom. You now have baseline move power. One, one spent. To affect that Silhouette 2 speeder, if you have one strength upgrade, you have to activate that strength upgrade twice. Once to get it from 0 to 1, and then a second time to get it from 1 to 2. If those speeders are at medium range, you would have to activate your range upgrade once. To get the power's range from the base of short to medium. And finally, you would activate your magnitude upgrade once to affect that second speeder, since the initial point to activate the power affects the first speeder. That's gotcha.
1: five force points.
2: Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well alright, that you're making-you're making sense now. You're making sense now.
3: Now you could you could get this down to four force points if you happen to have two strength upgrades. Then when you increase the silhouette affected by then you increase your silhouette affected by two for every force point you pump into the strength upgrade.
2: So that's how it works. So every every so in other words, I I, I have to spend what you're saying is I gotta spend one extra force point to get strength upgrade. But I don't have to spend one point for each strength upgrade I have. It's one for all my strength upgrades.
3: Right. If you have all, if you have three strength upgrades, You put one point, you you, you roll your force points, you spend one point to activate the power, you spend another point to activate your strength upgrades. So you're, in that case, if you've got the three strength upgrades, you go from affecting a size level zero target to a size level three target. Ah. You can pick up that Scout Walker now.
2: Very nice. Okay. With
3: only two force points.
2: Okay. Assuming you're next
3: to it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right. Now, this sounds powerful, but it isn't. It takes a long time to get to a point where you are reliably rolling those four pips, even using dark side ones. You're talking at least a 100 points, if not more, more honestly, because then you still have to pump the points into the move power itself., yeah. So realistically, you're talking about like 150 to 200 points to, to have a chance to get four pips.: A chance, a chance. Yeah. If you need to reliably get four pips, you're talking uh, force rating 3 minimum. Yeah. I,
2: that's, even then, that's even then you could still
3: roll three, one, 3 single pips. Yeah,
2: it I wouldn't even say it's reliable at that point. Yeah. Yeah, totally.
3: So that's that's how it goes. Uh any anything to add, Chris?
2: <laughs> no, you covered it beautifully. Thank you for for playing along with my little my little um uh uh ignominy farce there. So, yeah, no. I I think I think people people talk about how, how impossible the poor the force powers are to pull off, you know what I mean? And yeah,
3: yeah level one effectively at, l- at level one
2: effectively a beginning character, yeah. But even then, it's it's you know people you know we've talked about this before people people think force powers and all their upgrades cost more pips than they actually do, but even then, getting those pips not as easy as you think it would be. Nope, it's really not.
3: So nope. Nope. especially if you don't want to dip into the dark side. <laughs>
2: Pretty much. Pretty much. Okay, and now we have a follow-up from Hooli. Um, yes. Uh, regarding this, he said, So, well, after my last session, I think I was about as far from wrong about the move power as I could get, to the point that the player concerned me, uh, con- uh, the player concerned was quite frustrated. I played the rules presented, and this is basically what happened. For four turns, the Jedi with the power, force rating one, basic move oh. power one, ranged upgrade, two strength upgrades, and the control hurl and control pole upgrades Could, could not do anything she wanted because all of the single force die yeah it's a one in three chance of rolling two force points but for the life of her she couldn't any suggestions on what to do i don't want her to be frustrated with the power which i thought was overpowered but is completely
3: not (laughs) uh okay uh this is a good discussion question yeah it is yeah it is Uh, i'm very interested to hear what you have to say about this chris uh the move power does have a lot of utility and you can get those if you can get those two force pips reliably you can do quite a lot Um, however it's not a very reliable power until you can dump some serious xp as we mentioned into getting that at least a second force die yeah uh, it sounds like she's put a lot of points into move, uh, forty points after the initial purchase, by my estimates. Yeah. The fact is, with force rating one, she's not really going to be able to do much with those points at all, um, not with any kind of reliability anyway. As she saw, uh, what I would do is I'd offer to trade back some of those upgrades and have yeah. her spend those on getting closer to the elusive force rating talent. Personally, I'd sell back at least those two strength upgrades first you'd still be able to pull objects out of opponent's hands out to medium range if you rolled well but you're not reliably going to be able to count on move as a damage dealing power until you have force rating 2.
2: Yeah, no, you're 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 spot on, man. You you totally, uh she needs she needs to retrain. That that's the bottom line is um and I, it it happens. It's understandable. Um you know, when you think when you think it works a little differently than you do but but I mean, you, you got all these varied talents. I mean, you got you got range and strength. Well, you can't even activate both of those with a single force die. It's not even possible. Okay. Um. So, it, as she's seen, it is damn near impossible to to roll two force dice reliably on a single die. I mean, I understand. There's he he said there's a what did he say there's a one in three chance. Yeah. Um, but it never happens. It never yeah. happens. It never Nothing does. You want it. Never when you want it. Never when you want it. You should you should let her retrain. Um the the, the majority of force powers in the book, man, they to, to to really get into those upgrades and be used well for the most part, um, require a couple force die under your belt. The only exception I could think of that is sense. Yeah. Yeah, um, sense, that you
3: can do some really you can pull off some really cool things with forty XP and one force die.
2: Pretty much, you just commit it, and oh my god! And yeah, but I mean, <laughs> sense sense is almost the the sort of the, the like I always I always end up playing with people who my character is force sensitive, but they don't know it. Okay, it's uh, like, like or they or they they've never been trained. They they just don't know they're force sensitive, so they're calling upon these abilities instinctually. The last three games I've run, I've had PCs like that. Yeah. Um and it's one of those things the sense power is tailor made for that where you're totally. only where you're only ever going to have one force force die and you just commit it fully and you get all those badass ranks uh it upgrades to the sense power and you know when you're committing that die you're just getting all these cool abilities but yeah that's that's right. that's neither here nor there that's the that's the exception to the majority of the force powers in the book yeah in the books so
3: yeah and uh, as Huli mentioned uh yeah that's what she's doing um,
2: okay good <laughs> yeah, because I think I gave I think I gave him that suggestion in uh, in the forums
3: when he first proposed it. Because I was like,
2: "Oh, dude, yeah, you, you got to let her retrain, man. You got to let her retrain."
3: And as soon as she gets that force rating too, you know that's that's she'll be she'll be happy.
2: She'll yeah. be
3: able to get you know, at, you know willing to to go dark a little bit, but uh, she'll have those two pips all the time. Occasionally three, every now and then four, every now and then, <laughs> and then she can do some really badass stuff. And that's when you do the crazy stuff, but. You know,
2: and, you know, this is the deeper discussion about force use. It's just, it's a completely different paradigm from how force use has worked in every other iteration of, of a Star Wars role-playing game.
1: Yeah.
2: um, it, It's one of those things that's like, no, it's hard. And you really got to work up to do this stuff. But, oh, yeah, you can do it every freaking round. Yeah. You can try it. You can fail. But you can try it every single round.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, no, it doesn't subsume abs- personal... You know, willpower or strain or anything like that to use it. You know, it's just no, it's just hard. Um, Which is why there are trained groups of Force users in the Star Wars mythos. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Why are the Jedi forced to be reckoned with? Because when you are a baby, they take you
3: (laughs) and train (laughs) you. Start you start learning move rock at age six. Yeah, I mean, pretty much.
2: And that's the thing. I was like I was talking to uh some somebody uh, about this and he he was he was lamenting that. He was like he was like, "Well, this is just like, oh, look at the Force abilities work and it's like, you know, I see a, a 16-year-old Padawan can do all this stuff at 16? Are you kidding me?" I'm like, "Yeah, that's because they started training when they were 4." Yeah. I mean, that was when their character career started. Okay.
3: And that's probably uh, and that has to be one of the major reasons why they're focusing on the Rebellion era because Grown adults, starting to learn how to use the Force. This is what's going to happen. You saw it with Luke. I mean, Luke started you know, practicing around with, uh, you know, with with Force use in Empire. He would basically almost he he barely used it at all in in Star Wars the in, uh, A New Hope.
2: I don't think. I mean, he didn't use it. Period. He didn't. I mean, he didn't. He didn't have any Force powers. He didn't have any anybody uh, to do that. You, know? you could argue he had sense. You could you could argue maybe that's why upgrade,
3: upgrade his attack check upgrade his defenses so Vader had a hard time hitting
2: sure. him. Sure, I mean you could you could you could argue that, but I mean by you know you know some time later after he's trained for a good bit and he's got his lightsaber and all that right at the beginning of of episode five, dude dude takes what two or three failed rolls two <laughs> like two failed rolls before he can pull a freaking lightsaber from from you know close range. To
3: and there could be a couple reasons for that. It could be because the, the "quote unquote" player didn't didn't want to use the dark side pip, or maybe the GM said, "Yeah, your lightsaber's hitting the snow and it's kind of frozen over, so you're going to have to have to activate a strength upgrade to pull it to you." Yeah, it could be all those reasons. A couple of reasons, but a C- couple of reasons why.
2: And I mean, that's 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 you know, that's that's it. That's that's
3: that's how that's how you do. I'll be very curious to see what happens if and when. I'm sh- although I'm sure they're going to do it. Uh, FFG comes out with a Old Republic era, Clone Wars era, whatever the Force Awakens era book is. And it ha- yeah. has like, trained Force users. We have no idea what's coming with Force Awakens. None. I am... Except awesomeness. Except
2: awesomeness. I am tickled. So I want to talk about some of that awesomeness and some of the new announcements, maybe in some post-show. You got some time? I got some time. Let's do it. Let's do it. But first... But first... Let us bring an end to the show. We have an exciting announcement. This has already gone up on the Facebooks. This has already gone up on the Twitters. This has already gone up on our forums. But our next episode is determined. (laughs) It is. Uh, We've been working on this for a little while. So um, bottom line is the 26th of July, uh, next Sunday, or two Sundays from now, is our next episode. And we will be welcoming for the first time to the show uh, lead developer for FFG, Max Brook. Who, honestly, Sam Stewart has been trying to get him on this show for a while. Um, (laughs) He's recommended him more than once, but we are going to be talking to him specifically about *Desperate Allies*. Um, recently released. It's been a long. It's been far too long since we had a good book review, so we're going to get it done. Um, there are threads up right now, both on the FFG forums and, again, on the Order 66 podcast forums um, boards at d20radio.com slash forums, where you can post your questions for Mr. Brooke um, to, uh, about Desperate Allies, and we really want to get those in. So it's going to be, as they tend to be, a fairly lengthy episode, and we're really looking forward to it. But uh, if you got Desperate Allies and you've got questions about the design or the creation or the rules mechanics therein... Um, Get to the forums, either ours or FFGs, and post it up. And uh, really looking forward to that episode. So yay. <laughs> It'll
3: be fun. It'll be a lot of fun.
2: Uh, big thanks to Steve Jasper Orr for coming on early on in the show to talk to us about uh, about the, the fan made rebel source book. Um, it's a lot of fun. And again, if you guys head to d20radio.com, you can download it for yourselves and see what all the glory is about. So huzzah. Oh, Also, guys, while you're at it, email us, post up show topics, questions, we want them, and phone us. Leave us a liner. Phone us at 262-D20-RADIO, that's 262-320-7234. Tell us why you never listen to the Order 66 podcast, because uh, we want to play it on the interwebs for everybody. So there. Thank you all for listening. Phil, thank you for another solid show. This is GM Chris wishing you peace,
3: love, and good gaming. And this is GM Phil. May the dice be with you.
0: This podcast and related website are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, the Walt Disney Corporation, 20th Century Fox, or Fantasy Flight Games. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names, pictures, or references to any Star Wars vehicles, characters, or other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited, Fantasy Flight Games, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio, visual, or textual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 Podcast and the Gamer Nation, LLC. <laughs> show sure.
2: All right, so I know you say you're all jazzed about Force Awakens, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But we kind of got another big announcement um, in the intervening time since last show. Uh, talking about the second anthology film that uh, they will be releasing.
3: <laughs> Han Solo.
2: Han Solo, baby! <laughs> um, the article actually dropped at StarWars.com, which is really cool, but um, we know very little. We know that it is a prequel film. And I believe it, it's like the story of how Han Solo became Han Solo, basically pre pre uh, in between episode three, three and four, obviously.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, and we also know that the uh, the screenplay has been written by Lawrence Kasdan and his son, mm-hmm. uh, which is fills me with hope. Um, mm, yes. I don't know, man.
3: Thoughts? Uh, it's also being directed by the guys who did the Lego Movie. That's right. That's right.
2: <laughs> that does not fill me with hope.
3: I, I don't know. I enjoyed the Lego Movie. I
2: enjoyed the Lego Movie, but I don't know if that's the credentials I want to see in a Star Wars film.
3: <laughs> I can't remember what else they did. They also did something else that kind of made me go, but um, I don't know. Uh, as long as, long as you know, the directors, are the directors, they'll, they'll, they'll take care of the actors. I'm, I'm sure it'll be a fun time. But the, the, the script lineage mm-hmm. that it, this is coming from.
1: Oh, 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 oh yes, yeah.
3: I know. I know what you mean, man.
2: I know what you mean. And um, uh, uh, there, uh, hoolies in chat. A lot of people on the internet have been like, you know, speaking of Lego movies, saying Chris Pratt needs to be young Han Solo, right? Uh,
3: well, the problem is he wouldn't be young Han Solo. He's <laughs> the same age as Harrison Ford was in in Episode
2: Four. I know, I know. Now, depending on how earlier it is, okay. Yeah. it might work but by the same token it's like it, you, you need to have you need to have enough of a time differential of at least 10 to 15 years where prior to episode 4 that you can have an actor who looks who is not Harrison Ford but that it's justifiable that he, it's not because he's younger you know what I mean that he looks extremely different
3: you look at Ewan McGregor and uh, Alec Guinness exactly so yeah I don't know I don't know um I guarantee you I'll see it. I guarantee you I'll enjoy it. <laughs> um, whether I enjoy it as much as I enjoy Empire or whether I enjoy it as much as I enjoyed episode 1, we'll see.
2: That's the thing, isn't it? I I I, mm, I
3: don't know. It it's too it's too early to tell. We've still got 3 films. We still got 3 films to get through to get to it. We've yeah. got Force Awakens coming in December. We've got Rogue One coming next year. I don't know if they announced whether it was going to be May or Christmas again. And then the year after that, we've got Episode Eight. Yeah. It's it's going to be insane. It it we are entering a new era, and I do mean era dynasty of Star Wars films. The the are you know I I kind of
2: I I was, I was in just strong disbelief of the release schedule when they first announced. You know and i was yeah. i was in completely strong disbelief of it and i'm just like i it's 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 becoming real for me now and it's yeah. it's kind of tripping me out because you and i we all grew up on this you know okay there were 3 films the, right. the, the three films, that's it. That's all there that would ever be. And then there was the prequels that were two years apart. And we were like, oh, my God, there's going to be three more films. Oh, my God. But there was this this thing that the creator of Star Wars would just rest on his laurels for 15, 20, 30 years. You know what I mean? Sure. And and now, it's, now they're taking the whole Marvel release schedule attitude with Star Wars. And I, I have z- zero problem with this.
3: None. No problems whatsoever.
2: And Disney's got the backing both financially and, and m- from a marketing standpoint and the experienced cojones at this point to do it because any other studio would balk at it. But after they, what they've done with Marvel, where it's like, holy crap, we can release a film a year and we will make a metric
3: ass-ton of money. Um, they'll, they, they're they're willing to do it. Did you see that uh, at, at uh, San Diego Comic-Con that Mark Hamill grew back his contractually obligated beard again? Yeah shaved it off so he could go play the trickster on flash and grew it back grew it right back because he's gonna start filming soon I'm sure yeah i I'm, I'm sure that by at least by the end of the year they gotta start uh, they got start filming for uh, episode eight
2: one would think one would think I'm so glad they got him to play the trickster because if you recall in the uh in the justice League cartoons he voiced the trickster.
3: He was the trickster back on the original Flash series on CBS back in the late '80s or early '90s or whatever that was whenever he, that was. Was he really? He was, dude. I missed that. He was the trickster <laughs> this garish, hideous costume. I know
2: it is. It is. It's it's uh uh one of my favorite one of my favorite scenes from the Justice League cartoons. Uh, I I, I don't remember it, it. was it was just it was just League Unlimited where they where they did this, but it was like it was Flash's day basically. Yeah. And it was, it was like, it was, it was Batman and Orion were following him around to be there at like, at the dedication of the Flash Museum. And none of them got him, basically. But he he goes into a bar because they're trying to find information where Captain Boomerang and the other villains have, have gone to, you know, to to put a stop on things and they meet the trickster. And I forget what, I forget what his real life name is, but it was like, well, I like, but it was like, let's say it's Bill. It's not, but it's like Bill. It's like Billy. You're off the meds, aren't you? This is Flash talking. He's like, I don't need (laughs) them. He's like, Billy, (laughs) now listen. You finish your beer. I'm not going to take you in, but when you're done here, I want you to go turn yourself in. And I promise you, I'll visit you every Friday and we'll play cards.
3: Really, Flash? Really? (laughs) (laughs) And I I remember this because Batman's kind of in the background going, What the hell?
2: And then, and, then, and then he's leaving, and, then, and the trickster's like, Got me again, Flash! And turn around and give each other thumbs up. It was <laughs> great! Right. It was fantastic!
3: Oh, God! <laughs> and Batman just didn't know how to cope. He's like, your villains are so much different than mine. <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you? Oh. <laughs> Got me again, Flash!
2: Got me again,
1: Flash! <laughs>
3: oh. oh, that's right.
2: Uh, pretty good stuff. Pretty pretty good stuff.
3: Uh, but my God, <laughs> San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, um, you've you've seen the the uh, the sort of the back scene, the the uh, the behind the scenes trailer, we'll call it. Yeah. For episode for, for Force Awakens. Yeah. Oh, it it's I, pretty amazing. Yeah, I've got some. I'll call them curmudgeons. I've got some real curmudgeons up in my neck of the woods in my garrison in the 501st Legion. And, you know, some of these old guys who, for them, there were only three films. And that's it. (laughs) These hardcore guys who love the original trilogy and kind of roll their eyes at everything else that came beyond it. Um, They're talking like, dude, I shed tears when I saw this. (laughs) (laughs) Grown men in their mid-40s and up crying by watching this trailer going... It's all practical effects. It's really there. It's so beautiful. It's yeah. so beautiful. Yeah, man. Um, and then I have other people flipping out going, Guys, guys, guys! That's what the back of the X-Wing costumes <clears throat> look like! Quick, grab that still and zoom it <laughs> up! We need it for references! <laughs> like, you crazy, crazy pilots. That's fantastic. Uh, uh, but no, dude, I, I, I cannot wait. Cannot wait. And I'm probably going to, like, completely... Blast my own promise that I would try to keep as much, you know, try to go into this as cold as possible, and and uh, and read some of the stuff that's happening in between. I'm I'm def- definitely going to be reading these aftermath books that are going to be coming out. Hey man,
2: this. I smiled when you made that promise because I knew it was complete BS.
3: It wasn't BS. It just wouldn't work. <laughs> it <laughs> Look, just wouldn't work.
2: Whether it's by, whether it's BS by your hand or the hand of fate, it's still BS.
1: That's true. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, I'm so excited for Aftermath. I've already got it pre-ordered. I'm like, um, I, I hard copy and Kindle because I I want to read it before I get my hard copy in. There you go. Um, and then I want the hard copy okay, I'll, just because I want that sucker. just because I want the hard copy. I want it on my shelf. I want it on my shelf. True, true.
3: So, um, I've got to go to the opening, the the uh, the midnight sale that every place is going to have for Star Wars toys, especially Toys R Us. Um, I've got to go because we're doing. Our 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 little legion up our, in our neck of the woods. We're making snowtroopers from the new film, <laughs> and we're gonna need blasters. <laughs> yeah. And we're all hoping that they're, if they release some toy blasters, because uh, that's what half the stormtroopers actually use in the le- in the Five O First Legion. Most of them look, uh, you know, they've some of them have been modified. Like, there's a couple of people out there who do little resin add-on kits to make your, you know, your fifteen dollar Hasbro toy blaster look a little more. Appropriate, you know, get the proportions a little bit better, but they're they're still using just toy blasters. Yeah. So we'll we'll we we're hoping for something at least decent and troopable until someone, because there are a few people out there who are rapid prototyping and rapid producing some blasters, but they're just way too pricey. Stupid amounts of money for like you know we had we had a quote because one guy was mentioning that oh yeah I'm gonna do a, a run of blasters. And literally, he got hit by two hundred people going. Really? Sign me up. Um, and then he started saying, "Well, here's how much they are going to cost, and here's what we're going to do, and here, here's what all the kits." And our our entire legion is like, "Really? That much?" Hey. No, we're good. We're good. Supply. We'll, we'll supply talk to you later. and demand. Yeah. And, and and that's the that's the thing. We can't we can't blame him for it. And I'm sure that he honestly set his price that high. To, in anticipation that a pu- couple people would like larger numbers of people would balk and back off, because if he actually had two hundred orders, that's a second job yeah. for months to make these things. Yeah, well, depending on what you charge for them, it could be a primary job. Uh, d- d-
2: could could <laughs> so, <laughs> take a sabbatical
3: uh, from work yeah. for a couple of months. Yeah. Yeah, I
2: know, I know. But uh, what else? Um, uh, Ash versus the Evil Dead. Ash versus Evil Dead. Yes, I am very excited for that. I am. I've always been a Bruce Campbell fan, and and uh, I I didn't enjoy the Evil Dead. I loved the Army
3: of
1: Darkness. I
2: uh, Loved it. Uh, e- Evil Dead was it is what it was. Evil Dead Two was phenomenal mm. uh, because it started to get into that Army of Darkness silliness vibe, that Sam Raimi flair, <laughs> and then Army of Darkness was just epically, legendarily incredible, oh, and God. um. Uh but I'm a fan of Campbell man like like Bubba oh, yeah. like I, I, th- I thought Bubba Hotep was a great movie. Um, <laughs> so did I. I mean it was like <laughs> damn man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if anyone
3: could play Elvis but not it's Bruce Campbell.
2: Bruce Campbell. Uh so uh, yeah b- big fan big fan of Campbell and I'm I'm so tickled that he's got that show coming out. Um
3: Oh my god is it bloody <laughs> yeah (laughs) what what do you
2: expect it's gonna be it's on stars okay not true true. and and it's and it's it's if you're gonna do if you're gonna do any type of evil dead thing justice it's gotta be bloody hell um
1: what else uh
2: i know this Uh, is
3: speaking of justice Hmm. dawn of justice
2: oh yeah yeah um it still it's, it still had none of the whimsy none. no humor no fun at all I was intrigued by some of the visuals I'll probably go see it
3: but it exactly exactly I'm right there with you
2: um um eh, eh, yeah eh. um uh what uh, so I know I know this is gonna trump my geek cred horribly but um, I don't have time to watch television. Everything I catch, as we've talked about before, is it's either torrented or hulu or Netflix, right? Sure. Um, so I I was completely not caught up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Um, okay. I watched the first season, obviously, and I just couldn't catch the second season. And, and by the time I got around to where I could catch up on some on some episodes on Hulu, it was like they'd already made the first episodes I'd missed unavailable. And I'm like, well, fart, okay? So... Um, I finally, they made them all available on Netflix recently. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my wife caught a couple episodes of season one, but she never really got into it. And then when she, when we, when we Marvel thoned in preparation of Avengers 2 and my wife went over the deep end with it, mm-hmm. I, and then, and then I made her watch the Daredevil series when it came out uh-huh. and and then she was just like, Oh God, that was amazing. I'm like, yeah, it was. Uh, so I convinced her to give agents of shield a shot. So we watched an episode or two a night. For you know, in bed for a couple weeks, cool. Um, you know, late, late, um, uh, when I was too tired to do any more work of my own, All right? And uh, finally finished season two, and uh, very season two was much stronger than
3: season one, yeah. Um, well, that, that's any Whedon series, except Firefly. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because well, there was just a bad combination between series and uh, and network. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. I'm, I, just... I'm convinced that if Firefly was on any other network, it probably would have survived. Maybe. Probably would have got a second. Probably would have at least finished out its first season. Probably, probably. But you know, Buffy was rough the first year. Angel was rough the first year,
2: and then it came into its own. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, Dollhouse was. Ru- oh, oh wait. <laughs> uh, not, see? <laughs> see, we just shouldn't do work with Fox. Pretty much, that should be his credo now. He should. He that should he, be everybody's credo. Don't do work with Fox. Don't do work with Fox. Um. What, uh have you seen uh, have you seen trailers for uh Lucifer? No. Yeah, man. Uh, it's loosely based on the on the game and comic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh it looks great. It looks really good. I'm I'm you know what if what if the devil quit, right? <laughs> nice. I mean, I mean, you know, what what if he quit? And uh oh it looks great. Uh they um you know and and he uh you know he comes up to earth and he's like a nightclub owner basically. Yeah, and, yep. And that's and the, right. The only the only demonic power he has is that he gets people to tell the truth. That's pretty much <laughs> it. He gets people to admit vocally and verbally their deepest darkest desires. That that's all he's got. Huh. And he ends up getting involved with, you know, a, you know a, a cop and who's immune to his abilities strangely. I don't <laughs> want to spoil anything and um uh, and at the same time, the devil's not in hell. So what exactly is happening to all those damned and tortured souls? And, uh, mm. and that... <laughs> what no. network? Um, I, uh, oh, I could have told you if you hadn't asked me. It's not Fox. Um, so it's one of the big three. Um...
3: Well, if it's NBC, I'm not going to get put too much stock in it. They killed Constantine. They did, they did. Um... Which is a shame because I was really starting to enjoy that film. Uh, sh- that show, show,
2: yeah. Um, but it, it looks good. The other one that in, that uh, speaking of of comics and Marvel uh, and Lady Sif, uh, Jamie Alexander has got a show where she's the lead coming out called um, Blind Spot.
1: Oh yeah 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 yeah.
2: Where, where she's like covered in tats and she's basically the female Jason Bourne. Yes, and you know, complete with the amnesia and uh, yeah, it's. Um, that looked really good. I was like, "'oh, that should be good, ooh, okay, no, seriously, you need to go to you need to go to YouTube, you need to do a search for Lucifer trailer, and it's it's yeah, I just, huh? it was like just the the theme, the style, the tone, it's like like we were talking about you know a good trailer gives you such a good flavor of what the direction is gonna be like in the writing, you know, and like when we when we watched the extended trailer for Supergirl, we walked away going, this is gonna blow, you know. Yeah, because the tone and the style was told us that. But no, seriously, the theme, the the stone, the tie, the, the 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 theme, the tone, the style, the music, everything from Lucifer. You're like, this is this is gonna be good. So
3: yeah, yeah. They they had another Supergirl trailer. It was pretty much respliced at the same trailer for, that we'd already seen, and I'm I'm watching it going, this would have been huge ten years ago. Yeah. The, the theme, the feel, the, the vibe I'm getting off it, I look at it and go, it's like you're missing the boat. The, the, the costume for Supergirl isn't, it, it, it's, it reeks of 90s nostalgia when modern day heroes have gone in a completely different direction.
2: Well, okay, I'll go one better. What reeks of nineties nostalgia is the fact that I've got a heroine on television whose biggest decision in that entire trailer is the fact that she's got to figure out what costume to wear. How about that? Yeah, that's that's another quick that's another trip. I mean, talk talk about talk about nineties nostalgia. It, it, it's okay, okay. Can we? What am I gonna
3: wear? What am I gonna wear?
2: Can we just get past this and just make an honest to goodness superhero show where the female where the lead is a female and that has no bearing on anything except the fact that she's a woman i mean we i might
3: get that with jessica jones
2: I, oh god i hope so if anyone can pull it off it's that team um, nope.
3: dude punisher
2: and electra yeah punisher and electra um, oh my
3: god did they cast the punisher perfectly <laughs> okay i missed the announcement who did they cast um oh man he was on um he was on walking dead um Uh John Bernthal. Doesn't ring a bell. I'll Google him. Yeah, just type in Daredevil Punisher and he pops right up. But he looks like the Punisher. <laughs> he's got that kind of big nose that the Punisher's been given. Yeah.
2: The bo- he's got a boxer's nose is what he's got. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah that's it. That's it.
2: Huh. Interesting. Very interesting. Dude.
3: <laughs> what? Nothing. Just, just, I'm, I'm just looking forward to season two of Daredevil because Electra's going to be in it too. Yeah. I wonder who they're going to cast. Good question. Good question.
2: Jennifer Garner. Um. <laughs> no. <laughs> Hell
3: to the no. Oh, man. Are you excited about Ant Man next weekend? I am. I am. I, I'm going to go and, and watch it and have a fun time. It, it's that—that's really all I want out of Ant Man. Yeah, yeah. Um, it—it's it, it it, interesting because it's this is supposedly the last film of Phase Two. Yeah, and that means that I think Captain America is the first of Phase Three. It is, and we got to wait freaking nine months to see it. <laughs> yeah, it's odd that they don't have anything
2: coming this winter. Well, have they typically done any? Have they done any winter releases? Uh four. Uh. Thor was winter release. Well, Thor was winter release material, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> Boom! Boom! Yeah, that's true. But that although true. they missed an opportunity with Captain America Two, because it could have been the Winter Soldier. Uh. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, have you seen the cosplay for the Summer Soldier? No. <laughs> okay, so so imagine a dude cosplaying the Winter Soldier. Okay, yeah. Except he's wearing like. You know, Bermuda shorts. like yeah, like board shorts and flip flops and like <laughs> and like a towel, and um, yeah.
3: Does he have like the 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 extreme amount of uh, of sunscreen on his nose too?
2: I don't remember, <laughs> but but uh, you know, but he had had the shield, you know, and and it was yeah, the the the, the summer soldier. Um, yeah, you need to go, you need to Google it. It's uh, it's it's pretty good, man. <laughs> I'll go check it out. Captain America, the Summer Soldier. Woohoo! Elodie Young. Elodie Young. So at least they announced that they chose for Electra Elodie Young. Don't know. E L O D I E Young. I gotta
3: Google Elodie Young. Elodie.
2: Is it Young or Jung?
3: Young. Mm
2: she looks like Electra. Well no no I see I see Elodie Young oh, but, you it's, but it's but it's Y U N G. Maybe La- that's her. That could be Electra. She's a French television and film actress. Yeah,
3: Elodie Young. Y U N G.
2: Huh. I bet it's pronounced Elodie? Elodie. Or Probably. it's it's French, so Elodie. Yeah, she's she's Elodie. Mediterranean. Elodie. It'll she do you have the Mediterranean look about her. She does have that strong Mediterranean feature. Interesting. be fun. Eh, very fun. All right, boys and girls.
1: Well, I need to call it. Yeah. All right. Good night, Gamer Nation. Good luck.